Welcome to the Meta Era Nerd Podcast, where we talk about everything meta. What are people watching? What are people playing? What's up in the sports world? That's the meta, and we are your nerds, Rico and Marcus. Now, first thing, we finally got a name, Marcus. Yeah, wanna talk, you you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I know it's been a while, and uh, <laughs> we've always talked about it, right? Uh, so week to week, and it took about a good five weeks, six weeks, and we just wanted something that kind of popped and something that was, I guess, trendy, unique in the way that we um, kind of went about things, right? What's meadow? You know, what's popping, right? What's 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 going on right now in, in entertainment and in media that's really you know grasping the society and the re- and the person viewing the and readers' attention. So we decided the meta was good, and then the error part came on just because you know my significant other mentioned the error part, and she was just kind of here. And I, when I said it out loud, Rico kind of just it, it clicked. It kind of clicked all together. So we rolled with it, and we really wanted to obviously put that thing, you know, exactly what type of you know people we are, right? So we kind of went with nerds, between nerds and geeks, but ultimately, meta era nerds is kind of what stuck and we made sure everything kind of checks out right we didn't want to kind of steal anybody's thunder you know we kind of obviously want to keep our identity and uh you know make it unique to us so um that's essentially what what we went with so we are the meta era nerds yeah like marcus says we uh we had a, a bunch of pretty cool concepts some of which you know after looking through what other people have done in terms of naming or their identities uh we uh, and looking around, we didn't like he said. We didn't want to step on anybody too much, uh, and we just wanted to find something that like really clicked. Uh, it took us a while to get there, but finally, uh, like he said, with input from his significant other, uh, it's just that word that we're missing. We knew we wanted to go with something on uh, the concept of nerds or geeks. I think was another word that we kind of threw around here and there. Uh, and we just wanted something that encompassed like what it is we do. And we decided on that term meta uh, just because metas change. Uh, just like our discussions week to week, like what it is that uh, we're talking about, what's going on in the world, you know, and uh, in particular, like with media, um, what are like, just like I, I mentioned at the beginning, what are, what are people watching? Uh, right now the NBA playoffs are going on around. I think we've had a, we had an NFL draft this past week. Uh, there's some new movies out, uh, that we'll talk about here soon, or the big one is going to be Dr. Strange just came out yesterday. Uh, I got a chance to see it. And so did Marcus. We'll touch on that probably towards the end, because I think we plan to go full spoilers. Uh, so we'll let you know exactly when we're going to go into that. So that if you don't want to hear any of that, you can avoid it. Uh, but we finally found something that we thought is perfect for what we're trying to do. Uh, and that encompasses us, right? Our identity. And ultimately, that's what we want, right? Just to really get our identity out there at the, at the same time, you know, just, you know, be on the same page as, you know, everybody else. Because, you know, we do enjoy this. We want everybody else to enjoy this. We want people to enjoy, you know, what we talk about and kind of get into the discussion. Because it's always fun having these different opinions. Um, as far as the meta is concerned, right? So that's, it's, it's good, and we hope it sticks. We hope it stays. We we hope it flourishes, and we hope you know it. It goes a long way. Yeah. So, with that being said, 
mentioned Doctor Strange. Some of the other things we're going to talk about today are the a little bit of gaming, some sports, uh, some shows, what we're watching. Uh, and like I said, at the end, a little bit of anime. Yeah, we got a little bit of anime in there. Uh, not a full bloom segment. Not yet. Not another one. Soon. <laughs> and uh, at the end, uh, we're going to talk about two big uh, things in particular. One being uh, Odd Taxi. Uh, Marcus has mentioned it before. I finally finished it this week. Uh, so we're going to go be going full on spoilers with that. And then right after that, Doctor Strange. Again, like I said, I'll let you know if you're trying to avoid any of those. I'll, I'll cut you off. So first up, this week in gaming. Uh, you want to start us off, Marcus? Yeah, so in this, it's just a couple of announcements before we get into the big thing. I know we're probably going to finish off with the Overwatch 2 beta, especially since they got a patch just recently, and we've been playing it religiously every day. Uh, but before we get to that part, and I'm, I'm going to let Rico take over that part, uh, just a couple of announcements, right? They did announce Summer Game Fest um, coming June 9th, and strangely enough, it's going to be showing in... Um, IMAX theaters around the U.S., uh, so that's kind of interesting to see with Josh, uh, uh, what's his name, Kylie Keely. I, I never know how to say his last name. I know he says it all the time on, on the, when, when he does his, his uh, showcases, but June 9th, Summer Game Fest, and it will be showing in select U.S. IMAX theaters, so that's a kind of cool little thing if you want to check that out, and I know I'm, I'm not that... I don't know, a Game Pass, Xbox Game, Xbox Game Pass, I always felt was amazing, you know, for the price, you know, for the stuff you get. And I, people, oh, well, the games, the games could be better, you know, but ultimately when you get first party titles in Game Pass, I'm a big advocate for it. I know Riku is too. I think Gaming Pass is one of the greatest things to happen to gaming. So I just kind of want to update, uh, update you on Game Pass. And particularly this time, just because um, there's a particular game that's on here. And I've played the first one a while back. Uh, so we have... Um, I know 2K22 just became available, as a matter of fact. But Trek to Yomi, Citizen Sleeper, Danganronpa 2, the Goodbye De uh, Despair Anniversary Edition, Ayurid um, and Chronicle Rising, which is actually one of the ones that it kind of has, I think it's a prequel to already an established game. I know there's something going on with that game that's supposed to be actually real popular. Um, this War of Mine Final Cut, NHL, Age of Empires 2, the definitive edition, which is already available now. Halo Infinite available now. And, you know, they kind of, you know, give you those games are already available. But the one I wanted to touch base on is just Dankenroppin 2. If you're a visual novel uh, genre type of fan, uh, you got to get on that Dankenroppin series. I know I enjoy visual novels. And this one is just like a, a detective visual novel mystery horror, you know, all in one. It came out on the Vita initially, part one. And they did release two on the Vita. And I've played them all for every console that's come out. You know, just because I do support that. So when I saw it, I just had to give it a special shout out there on Xbox Game Pass. Uh, you are, uh, you will be able to play that on May 10th. So for those of you who want to try something else and give something else a different spin. I know visual novels is pretty niche, uh, but it is gaining popularity. Dang and Rampa 2, you can try that out. Um, Elden Ring, a few days ago, which was on the 4th, two days ago, it did get a its first price drop for a, for a limited time. So if you have not gone on that Elden Ring uh, train, uh, I know we're super, super huge on Elden Ring. Amazon, Walmart, GameStop has it on sale for $10 off. And so something to check out. Um, you will not be disappointed. I don't think you'll be disappointed. And you, if you are, then, you know, we can, um, you know, kind of hopefully talk about it, whether it's in our um, Discord or the sort. But yes, Elden Ring, uh, $10 at Amazon, Walmart, and GameStop. And then. I did find a super interesting article. 
I know I gave a special shout out right now to the visual novel genre, but I do want to get give a special shout out to the tactics RPG genre. I know I'm an RTS fan, real time strategy, a tactics fan. If you don't know what those are, games like Valkyria Chronicles, which is actually which is a tactics action RPG type game, or if you have if you played uh, Fire Emblem or Advanced Wars, uh, Triangle Strategy just recently, uh, Tactics Ogre. For the Game Boy Advance and or PSP, um, so just to kind of give you a little shout out on those, kind of uh, there is IGN.com did make a top 10 best tactics RPG. I looked at the games, I tried most of them, and I just kind of wanted to give you my opinion. I don't know if Rico's ever tried um, tactics RPG games in general. Actually, have you ever tried th- those type of games? Uh, I have. I played uh, some tactics games. I don't know if I've ever played those kinds. Like, if you were to tell me, uh, if you were to name me some of the games, I would be able to tell you a little bit more. Okay, well, I am going to go down this list. And again, I've looked at this list, and I know I mentioned a few that are not on here. There's a game, starting from number 10, going on downward, a game called Other Side. I, that's, probably, that's one of the few I have not played on this list. So I'm kind of interested to kind of see more, uh, more or less what it is. Um, I'll be checking that one out. One that just came out recently um, is Triangle Strategy. It came out on Nintendo Switch, uh, and you're given choices, right? Your character's given choices to determine um, his, basically his bond with the characters. Super fun game. Excellent game by Square Enix. It's um, very similar to Octopath Traveler in the sense that by the same same people's uh, who worked on it, who worked on the story, who worked on the actual game. I know Octopath Traveler is your standard J, uh, JRPG. Triangle Strategy is your tactics RPG, but ultimately, if you like the art style, you should give tactics strategy a try. Fire Emblem, Path of Radiance. And strangely enough, Path of Radiance is on this list, and I thought that was one of the more easier ones. And um, it's strange that this one was here, where I remember playing... Fire Emblem for the Game Boy Advance, the one that featured Lindis, Elliewood, and Hector. That is not on this list. And I, I felt that one was just so much better than Path of Radiance. Not so much better, right? But so much better than Path of Radiance in terms of just, you know, the, the replayability and fun. Because Path of Radiance, I just I remember, I remember actually playing it on hard difficulty using Ike. Ike was OP. I stuck him in there in the middle of the match, and he was able to kind of cut down everybody. And that was that was strangely one of my um, more interesting Fire Emblem experiences. Um, next, going down the road, we have the Banner Saga. I've played the first one. I know that one does have three. I do want to give a special shout-out to the one here at number six, Valkyria Chronicles. There is part one, two, three, and four that just came out recently. Um, I'm not sure... I think part two and three were localized for the PSP, but just because I want to say I actually downloaded them a while back. But part one, that's your action tactics RPG. I say action because um, where the other ones have grids, this one you can actually move your character. But the tactics side, you still have to command your character to shoot, to defend, uh, get in a certain position to better do damage and better defend. So Valkyrie Chronicles, if you haven't played that one, first came out on PlayStation 3. Um, excellent game, excellent tactics game, something you should really try out. Uh, number five, Disgaea, the Disgaea series, one, two, three, four, five, and six. This one has, uh, six hasn't come out, but this one has the latest one, five. Uh, very similar, again, a Fire Emblem, very similar to, um, 
very similar to Fire Emblem Advanced Wars, you know, that type of genre. Um, at four, we have Fire Emblem Three Houses. Uh, again, the fact that Three Houses on here, and Three Houses seems to be the one that, that kind of just turned Fire Emblem around. And I don't want to say popular, because I want to say the first popular, popular Fire Emblem that kind of put it on the map wasn't even Path of Radiance. I want, I would have to give it to Fire Emblem Awakening when it came out for the 3DS. That's the one that featured um, Chrome or Chrome and uh, Lucina. So I would say that one kind of put it on the map and that one had more of that hardcore replayability there towards the end as far as even the DLC was concerned. Um, if you wanted to give that maddening uh, difficulty a try and kind of create this team that was just, you know, um, technically, you know, technically sound in all aspects to kind of, to kind of get there. I would say that one kind of put it on the map. But Fire Emblem House, uh, Three Houses does have that strategic aspect to it that, you know, you can go fish, you develop bonds outside of the battles, you can cook, and, you you know, you have these days, and it kind of developed that calendar format. And I remember, you know, they had the camp format, like a Path of Radiance, where you had the camp, you do certain things. But this one actually allowed your player to walk around and experience, you know, what it was like. Um, outside the tactics RPG realm. So Three Houses is up there at number four. Number three, Tactics Ogre, let us cling together. And this one, super special shout out because I remember playing March the Black Queen on the Super Nintendo. And it, at the time, obviously, when you're dealing with those 8-bit, 16-bit looking games, um, but the, I fell in love with that particular series. And yes, Tactics Ogre, and it more or less kind of the same thing. Uh, Ogre Battle 64, huge special shout out to that particular game, just because that one, you know, you com you you commanded, and as far as tactics are concerned, it worked a little bit differently. The tactics aspect was there, but each character you were able to outfit with other other um, support characters or you know NPC type characters such as regular soldiers, regular archers, and stuff like that to kind of outfit your company. You travel along the map. When you get into a fight, it's should they fight and basically based on stats that the winner is determined or you need to go battle them again because you didn't kill them on those turns and you would have to go do it again. Um, but that's Ogre Battle 64. Tactics Ogre let us play together. It did develop that, um, what was it? It was like a, I don't want to say it was that little bar at the bottom, like the control scheme. Uh, it kind of develops that you're able to attack and kind of brought speed into into its change where if the character is faster, it's able to do multiple attacks rather than the other. So I know it did it did blow up. It did do a good job. Um, Tactics Ogre let us play together. And then a special shout out also to the Tactics Ogre on Game Boy Advance, the Knights of Lotus, which is a spinoff of this particular series. Well, the story is a spinoff, but ultimately it's the same. Um, company. So Tactics Ogre at number three. I've heard of XCOM. I know it's popular. I've never played it, so I can't get, really give you uh, much on that one, but I know there is some sort of you know, um, tactics element to it. And then at number one, which I've actually played, Final Fantasy Tactics The War of the Lions or Final Fantasy Tactics um, on the Game Boy Advance. Final Fantasy Tactics was actually the one just because of its huge roster it's somber tone um just the way it, it kind of immersed yourself right from the get-go i still remember how the first mission went when you're in the snow and you're kind of using the snow as um as a projectile or, or any of the sort but the roster was huge the story was 
gripping. It was innovative. It was just a lot of fun. And to play, especially to play something on, you know, the Game Boy Advance when it was created in 1997 originally, and then kind of, you know, was remade later. It's, it's, you have to give it a shot. As far as uh, tactics games are concerned, I mostly agree with this list. Mostly there is, there are a couple I would change. The Advance War, and I know I mentioned it, the Advance War series um, is rightfully amazing. And the fact that it's not mentioned is kind of interesting because they are re-releasing Advance Wars 1 and 2. Um, so I would have put the Advance Wars, and maybe they forgot or something because it's kind of blasphemous that they don't have it on here. Um, so there's even Shining Force 2 and 3. Shining Force does have a small niche. But other than that, I think the, I think, I think the list is pretty good, pretty accurate for the most part, except I would maybe change a couple of things here. I don't know. I kind of just rambled on in this list. I didn't give Rico a chance to talk. Anything else you might want to add to this list? Well, if he's there, I'm not. I think he had issues with his mic. Um, he was he was messaging me a while back that he had some issues. But nonetheless, um, we can go ahead and go on. Uh, so from here, this kind of wraps up that top 10 best tactics list. I did. I was going to switch it over to Rico as far as the Overwatch 2 beta was concerned. If you aren't aware, the beta did come out a while back. It's already been about a week. A week and a half, a week and a few days. I wasn't this past. It was last Tuesday that it came out. So I think I'm uh, back. There we go. There we go. Kind of lost me there for a second. Um, you good to go? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I don't know if it was updates or something going on with my mic. I, I did uh, update a lot of stuff today, and I should have tested a little bit better before we got started. But I had a little bit of technical difficulties here, but I think they're resolved. Hopefully, uh, hopefully. Can hear, I, I, was, I can still I can still hear you. Okay, can you still yeah, hear no, me fine? No, no. You, yeah, you sound perfect. I was able to hold down the fort. Um, I hope they enjoyed my little segment on on tactics games. Uh, again, it's a small niche of 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 a genre. So, um, just to kind of get exposure because I personally love those games. And you came you came back at the perfect time because I was about, right about get right about to get into Overwatch 2, the beta and the patch notes. But I really did not want to get into it without you. So, <laughs> so I'm glad you came back right here at the la at the at the last minute. Well, just to but go I'll back, hand it over ju to you. just to go back to that list of RPGs. Uh... Um, that's never really been my genre. I'm not too familiar with with too many of those games. I have heard of Fire Emblem. Uh, I have heard of XCOM. I've heard a lot of good things about XCOM. Likewise. Um, I am familiar with the Final Fantasy series. I didn't know that they had an RPG style or that this yeah. style of game. Tactics. And I also, like you, is kind of surprised. Like I when I when I thought. When you mentioned tactics RPGs, my mind right away was like, okay, so for sure, for sure, he's gonna talk about Fire Emblem and Advance Wars. Because I, I don't know, I just thought of those two right off the bat. Because even though that's not my, this isn't my genre, I, I know people that like these kinds of games. Advance Wars, right? It wasn't on that list, and you know the fact that you don't play and you know what Advance War is, you would think, right? But it wasn't on that list. That's probably one of the only. That's one of the. That's what I was like. gonna say. That I I don't play these games, but I know of those two, and one of them was there. I think more than once, right? Yeah, and the other one wasn't there at all. I was. Advance Wars was not there, part one or two. But they're remaking it, and it's coming out on Switch soon. It was delayed because of, the, of, of what's going on in Ukraine right now. 
So hopefully we get that game soon. People can try it out. And again, it might not be for you, but it's a, it's a great entry point to get to get into that genre. So I think the closest thing that I've played to these kinds of games is probably Bravely Default. I don't know what I don't know if Bravely Default is one of these kinds of games or what it is that differentiates it from So from, I can from actually games answer that like right this. Now. So since this is kind of your thing, like I mean, take it away. Well, no, I mean, as far as Bravely Default is concerned, I know we had a blast with it because the job, the job system in part one was absolutely, that was the best part. I know people had issues with the story as far as Bravely Default was concerned, but the job, the job system was a lot of fun because your characters can take on all these all these multiple jobs. But games like Bravely Default are considered, they're called turn-based, and turn-based strategy games are kind of used loosely because turn-based can refer to these tactics games and also to, you know, those are your standard JRPGs, right, where you have a group of four or five people, when you fight a monster it changes cutscene it puts you in front of the monster and you can attack use your magic defend to take out this person which is what you which is what you did in like the in bravery default um so that would be considered a turn-based strategy game or a basically tur- your turn-based game or jrpg because that's usually your standard words like you know your tail series like tales of Asperia, um tales of basilia stuff like that or you know your final fantasy your old final fantasy games where again, mm-hmm. when you get to a monster, you're you're taking on your party is taking on these guys. Golden Sun, another one of my small niche games that hasn't hasn't been been around for a while, but Brave of the Fall would be considered one of those. So whereas tactics, where you're presented with a grid, you're you're the blue grid, the enemy is the red grid, and you're basically ch- controlling each unit and positioning them like a like it's almost like a chess game, pos- positioning them in the best possible spot to gain an advantage over the enemy. If you if you have high ground, you can deal crit damage. If you're behind them, you deal crit damage. If you're fast enough, you can actually hit or get away. If your guy has awesome movement, you can actually move two more steps than somebody else who's slow. There's even a weapon system, like for example, in Fire Emblem, there's even like a rock, paper, scissors system where mm-hmm. you know sword would take out axes, axes would take out spears, and spears takes out swords. You know, so obviously you're using a lot of the strategy things. And strangely enough, I think it's kind of right up your alley as far as the strategy stuff is concerned. I know you like strategy type stuff, but I guess you've never really kind of gone around to maybe trying to start something like that. Um, but if you are, Fire Emblem is always a good place to start. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah, you know, you're using strategy. You, As a matter of fact, even later on, because you are, you do develop these supports. The supports are another way to actually increase the level of your character or increase the might or, you know, his uh, vitality and stuff like that. You know, in for example, in Awakening, you have these children. You can pair up, you know, p- uh, characters to have kids. Now, these kids take on certain aspects of the parents. So if you want to min-max, for example, and give them the best ultimate ability with the best attack and the best speed, you would have to pair off these parents to kind of create that perfect child. So I got really into Awakening where I kind of did that thing, where, you know, you create these children to just become super powerful. And if you did made the wrong character, parent pairing, your your offspring was not going to be very good. So you, there was a, a lot of strategy that I wanted to play with stuff like that. And I kind of mentioned in the list, right, where if you're playing on the hardest difficulty, especially the DLC, and you're dealing with these guys that are just so hard, and, you know, you really have to kind of min-max exactly how you want to play, you know, because the offsprings usually generally end up more powerful than the parents because you're able to inherit these abilities um, and these and their stats, right, their main stats, to kind of really, you know, bring out their full potential. So it 
it's a, it's a fun genre. It's a great genre. Uh, Triangle Strategy kind of dwells more into the, and that's, that's the, one of the more recent ones that just came out, um, into the consequences of your choices type gimmick, which is, again, is also a lot of fun. Your choices depend on what characters you pick up, some characters being, you know, stronger than others and so forth. So always a lot of fun. Strategy is great. Always a lot of choices to kind of get through. Mm-hmm. I, I think the closest I've ever come to playing, just because the the one word that you mentioned that that uh kind of kind of differentiated everything from me is the grid style play. I think the only that's not the only thing that's different, of course, but right right away that's the thing that stands out. So the only game the games that I think that I've tried that had that grid style was one actually. So, you know, along the lines of what I always love to play, Pokemon, there's a series called Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. Okay, yeah, yeah. That 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 is that grid style. That is that, like, grid style. You know, you have to make sure you take the right approach to defeating uh, either multiple Pokemon or, you know, just positioning. It's all about positioning. Yes. In a game like yeah. that. And in that one, you go out to dungeons and you're aiming to defeat the dungeon it's a it's like a dungeon crawler yeah, grid okay. type game you uh you go out there and you want to recruit pokemon to your team but in order to recruit them you have to beat them uh there was another game that i actually didn't really get to touch i've always i was always interested in giving it a shot but uh also another pokemon game by the name of pokemon conquest that i know had something yeah. similar in in uh, that grid style uh positioning and having to play smart to be able to beat uh, what were effectively the game's gym leaders or I think tower bosses or something like that is what they were called in that game. Pokemon uh, I never Conquest did. is an exact, exact, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's what, that's a spitting image of that series that I'm talking about. And, you know, so it's funny that you mentioned it. I totally forgot about that game because it does deal with another one of my favorite series. They, could, they literally combine Pokemon and Dynasty Warriors and I think that's super cool because I, th- I think Dynasty Warriors is awesome. So it's, I totally forgot about that. I'm glad you mentioned it. Yeah. So if I was to, if I was gonna give that a go, I think I should try probably that Conquest series, just that it already yeah, has an interest sure. of mine in like there already. Obviously, I'm a big Pokemon hit. Uh, and yeah, I, I think I should. I, I think I'll give it a shot if I uh, if I end up liking it. You know, maybe that opens the door for try more of these games. Yeah, no, check it out. And I totally forgot. I'll, I'll check it out with you again. It does deal with the. Uh, it's not Dynasty Wars and Samurai Wars. I do it because it's it's the same. Um, not it's not the same game, but the same kind of company that does it. Uh, Tecmo Koei, who kind of produces those games, uh, along with the the, the Wushu. Um, but that one has sam- sam- Samurai Warrior characters, and the Samurai war- Warriors are your, you know. Those are your main characters from that. It's a romance of the Three Kingdoms, um, very similar to the story of the Dynasty Warriors, as where the they, it takes place during the Han Dynasty, right? Where again, romance of the Three Kingdoms. We have the Wushu and the Wei Dynasties. Well, the romance of the Three Kingdoms is more the Samurai Warrior side, but it does get more fantastical as far as um, the heroes. But that's actually a great place to start for you. Great place because if you don't like that Pokemon Conquest, you probably won't like the other ones. Because obviously, if I don't like Pokemon, Pokemon strategy, skin. yeah, yeah, <laughs> the Pokemon skin. So if you don't like that one, then you know, you know what? I'll, I'll get off that boat. <laughs> That's funny. 
Um, well, as far as game is concerned, I think I've, I kind of wrapped up what I had again. It was just a couple of announcements. And I did want to touch base on those on those tactic games that, again, awesome, a lot of fun. I gave some shout outs here and there. Um, but I'm going to pass it over to Rico. Now that his mic's uh, working again, going to pass it over for that Overwatch 2 uh, beta update and some more, you know, Overwatch 2 beta um, impressions. So take it away, Rico. So this would be week two of the beta. Um, I feel like the initial impressions from last week were generally good. Uh, the big stuff this week is that now that more people have their hands on the beta, well, I'll start with this. Yesterday, Overwatch League started. Uh, Overwatch League, for those of you that don't know, are is the pro play for for the uh, is pro level play for the Overwatch game, which is streamed on YouTube, and they decided to enable drops for those people that would watch Overwatch League to be able to get into the beta. Uh, we touched on last week that the first way to get in was an email, which Marcus was able to do. Uh, then the second day that they dropped the beta, you had to watch Twitch to be able to get those drops. Uh, I believe it was four hours. You had to watch four hours. Then you could get in. Uh, I and a couple of our other friends were also able to get it that way, so we were lucky to be able to get in. Some of our friends did, unfortunately, miss the cut. Um, uh, I still actually don't know. I don't know if you've heard, Marcus. Were they able to get in with this uh, latest drop yesterday or today? I have not asked them, actually. Um, I haven't, so no. I uh, I don't know. I I think I feel like if they would have gotten it, they probably would have hit us up like, hey, let's play, let's play. Because nah, we've, so, we've, we've been religiously playing at least, at least, if not every day, you know, I think we've maybe taken like a day or two off for the week uh, just to kind of get into other stuff because we were putting it. I told Rico, hey, I'm going to play a few games. And Rico says, ha, a few games. Yeah, a few games turned into about five, six hours worth of <laughs> just to watch too. And I had those messages to prove it. I swear. I was like, yeah, just a few, man, because I want to do something else. You're right. Uh, so just to touch base again with the with that first week, um, it felt like everybody kind of was real positive, just happy to have something new, uh, a new name, whatever. Now that a little bit more time has passed, people are starting to recognize also a little bit of things that they don't like. Uh, it seems like the biggest one that everybody touches on is the lack of ranked mode and the lack of viability for a lot of characters. Now... Initially, my take was, this is a good start. And I still feel that way. I, I feel like I still feel pretty much the same. And I actually read an article today about somebody said, this, this beta is not about what they're adding, but what they're taking away. Which their philosophy, like we touched on last week, and... You know, I'm, I'm sure we're gonna. It's gonna keep coming up. Is their philosophy is no more hiding behind shields, no more stagnant gameplay, and no more. Not no more, but less of that style, and also less CC, which is a uh, combat or not combat. It's escaping me. What's, what's the term? Crowd control. Okay. Crowd control. Less crowd control. Uh. So immediately, like, even even had they not changed anything, reworks or whatever, just with the switch from 5 to, to 5v5, the game just would have changed 
in, in terms of pacing, just with the crowd control and the shield uh, things that they're trying to implement. But uh, all that being said, we did get our very first uh, developer blog this week on May 3rd, which would have been Tuesday, which was exactly one week after it came out. Uh, they touched on a little bit of what their goals were, that they're just trying to make sure the servers are stable, uh, kind of get an idea of how it is having all these p different people play these heroes, what rises to the top, what doesn't get used, uh, if the lack of the CC and the shields and all that does push that faster-paced game mode. They also wanted to make uh, or test uh, their new game mode push, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit because I think there's a lot of varying opinions within our friend group about that game mode. Well, even people asking online, which I found, which I find very interesting. But yeah, uh, they also said, uh, "We hear you. Our menu screens, profiles, uh, and certain look of heroes are not updated yet. We only got to push out a little bit of that." We're still working on it. That's not. This is not final. Some yeah, of the yeah, the UI, which I know is one thing you and I talked about, that it it looked a little iffy. But again, it's a beta. It's just the it's first. A beta, yeah, the and first it's just part, to kind of which, um, remind people that yeah, which we, which I thought we were always mindful of. Yes, you see, but not everybody, and that's what I'm. And, and, that, and that which is it tripped out right because people are are wanting all these things. I was like, it's a beta. It's a beta. You know, it's not a it's not a complete game. Nowhere near a complete game. You know, it's again testing a lot of the things that it wants to do um and i think they put it perfectly right what it's taken away to kind of kind of create that more balanced fluidity um to create that game right so and it's again we've always been mindful it's a beta it's a beta it's a beta but there are some people who you know do take it, especially the people right and people are like oh why be so toxic i'm not talking about the toxicity people right but just in general like you know as far as well this it's, there's this and uh these heroes are, are like this and you know this person's op and you know the push map it can use a little you know so it's just obviously being mindful of the fact that we are still in beta and there's a lot of things that need to be polished up and, and corrected so just a reminder just a reminder for a lot of the people out there uh, one interesting thing that they touched on was that why why exactly there's no ranked mode. Um, one thing they said, the first thing they said is they didn't want to put in both ranked and quick play, uh, being that they're going to have a limited people, a limited amount of people playing the game at first. They didn't want to split the player base already with so few people being able to get in those first two days. Um, and they also mentioned that they are planning in some way, in their words, we're planning some significant overhauls for our core ranked and competitive modes. And those are not yet ready to test publicly at scale. So honestly, I have no idea what exactly that means. But what does that mean? They're putting some, they're changing ranked in some kind of way. Um... They also touched on queue times have been increasing for tank and damage players, and that's because they're they've been relatively more popular because obviously they are also seeing that people that play support are a little bit unhappy with the uh, the lack of changes and the lack of fun they feel to to their role at the moment. Yeah, they, play, they play more or less the same. Um, they also touched on 
Again, uh, they mentioned support heroes, some balances, some people that they notice are using, or the characters, again, that are rising to the top, and those are that are falling at the bottom, and that they plan to, you know, adjust everything accordingly. And I mean, to me, that's exactly what a beta is supposed to be. You know, they're building us this new game, and they're allowing us to experience where they're at, and they're taking, they're taking all this data into account. And to ultimately build, uh, release a better game for us, the players. Uh, one thing I was actually happy with that I actually think that you're not going to be happy with is that they're going to retire the metal and the fire system. Uh, so that's the metals, the metal system and the fire system done. Those aren't really? coming back. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I mean, the, being on fire to me, it was just always like, hey, I'm on fire. You suck. So, I mean, I don't care. It's too much of a big deal. Even the metal system, if, uh, are they going to have some sort of, do they say what, what, what was replacing the metal system? Uh, in, the article, anything- in the article, it just says the original idea with the metal system was to give positive reinforcement for Okay. I, I mean, I, again, I know Overwatch in the past is always trying to find ways to kind of reduce that that toxicity and i know we mentioned it before right even where you're able to see your 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 not just your team but the other teams you know their kills their deaths their damage their healing um so i'm and, and i think we both have the same reaction as far as oh that that sounds kind of crazy right that's that's kind of gonna kind of you know rub people the wrong way and people are gonna kind of get upset i mean again i know the middle system i'm not too upset about it just because again i always used and me personally this is good for me i've always used a metal system just to kind of flex legs on people hey, i'm on fire and it's usually with a with a one of our friends right and, and i and Enrico can tell you right what was the nickname you gave, you gave him the other day talk about omar oh the you called him our well yeah our, it's, our it, head clicker our head clicker yeah well every time every time you watch it's like oh the head clicker and i'm over here you know just kind of playing out oh hey omar i'm on fire hey omar i have more metal hey go medals omar go medals and it was always just a it was it was a term of endearment for us just kind of talk smack against one another and stuff like that but as far as in game right i i when we played comp with rant with random where we played with random people you know i never really ultimately at the end of the day you want to form that best team to win and i know it never really gave people like zenyatta uh you know that standout because zenyatta is not going to get any any medals for getting assists or for those kills of the discord if you know he discords an orb and he might get a hit but nothing too crazy or obviously someone's gonna take advantage so i'm not too upset about it to contrary to your belief because <laughs> okay. I, I i was just gonna touch i think on the i think what you said was exactly right specifically for somebody like zenyatta there is there's heroes out there whose stats specifically do not are reflected do not reflect their exactly. Do not reflect their impact on a game. Exactly. Somebody, somebody like Winston, your tank, who goes out there and is a disruptor, and not really is gonna. He's not gonna do a bunch of damage. Uh, he's not gonna block a lot of damage, but doesn't mean he's a bad tank. Same thing yeah, with or, Zen. Same or, thing with or, Zen. Uh, and it, it, that's what it says here in this article. It says. The team saw players incorrectly interpreting actual team performance based on the relative rankings provided by medals. Uh, and uh, I was able to scan a little bit f- further, and it says that they do plan to expand on the new scoreboard. So it seems like they're trying to do away with like 
who's doing better individually, and instead they're going to expand on the scoreboard and put things up like, um, for example, if there's a Lucio, it's going to say like how many sound, bar- sound barriers you provided, uh, environmental kills. Awesome. So it's going to be more of like, not just here's what you did or here are the people that we thought played good based on damage, healing block. I mean, healing, yeah, yeah. healing, uh, damage blocked. Now there's also going to be another one called damage mitigated. Yeah, well, I, uh, and I was about to say, like, think of uh, of Zarya, where Zarya uses her bubble, and you know, you shoot the bubble or whatever, and that's damage uh, uh, mitigated, damage negated in general. Shoot, if Ryan pins you, if you have a great Zarya again, these are the places that don't go that don't go noticed, right? Ryan pins you, Zarya bubbles you as soon as you're about to hit the wall. She she saves you from from taking that damage, and you can potentially kill that Ryan Hardy. Protect you know, depending on how battle goes, that's huge, and that's a big play. You know what I mean? So things like that, you know, aren't never, and I agree, aren't reflected um, on scoreboards or medals or you know, or, or fire and stuff like that. So that's cool. Yeah, and it says this new damage mitigated stat is going to be next to damage done and healing done in the scoreboard. It says this statistic will cover things like damage blocked and damage reduced by other abilities, such as Ana's nano boost okay. and Batiste's immortality field. So yeah, yeah, special, special emphasis on those um, secondary, on those uh, secondary, I don't want to say secondary stats, but again, those stats that aren't really paid attention to. So I think that's awesome. I think that's healthy. Um, now it's going to be, oh, you see, well, I did more mitigate damage than you, and it's going to be the new thing. <laughs> so it's going to be fun. I, th- I think that's a good, that's a good, uh, a good change. Uh, I think I think solely the fact that they are we're one week into the beta and they're already acknowledging certain things that are that people are missing. Uh and just communicating in general I think is very, very positive. Uh for what's gonna come. Uh and then since then they've have fixed I think this was yesterday, the fifth, May the fifth, yes. Yesterday, Thursday, they uh, went ahead and put out a patch already for the beta. Uh, they fixed mostly bugs. Uh, I know one of the big ones this past week was they had to remove Wreck- Wrecking Ball from the game altogether because there was a certain, I think it was, I think I read that it was a, some kind of slam tech that you could do and you would cause everybody else to just crash from the game. And of course, people find that out and they have to go do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So they ended up, they immediately like just removed him from the game. Uh, He since, he has since been fixed. Uh, There's another list of bugs that they fixed. uh, A lot of which I didn't even hear about, which I think is good because I mean, they're fixing stuff that we, we're not even hearing our big deals like the wrecking ball. Uh, They did also buff some heroes based on usage. Uh, they also uh, nerfed some heroes based on usage. I know one of the big exciting things was Sojourn, a uh, new hero coming out. But uh, right away, she got tossed into the the category of uh, Soldier 76, right? Being able to do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having the new railgun gun, first of its type here in this game. Uh, and right away, it seemed like people realized she's good, but not as good as Soldier. Like, why would I play her when I can play Soldier that just does everything a little bit better and a little bit easier? So she's been tuned tuned uh, up a little bit. Mainly her railgun is a little is 
seems a little bit easier to hit, but for, if you're good at aiming, she's a, it's a lot supposed to be a lot easier to hit based yeah. on what I've seen. I haven't I haven't really played these last two days, so I haven't got a chance to try it out. She also did get a reduction to her power slide cooldown. Then for I like Soldier, what they say. I like what they say real quick on Soul Jorn, right? She's all about mobility. If and I'm and we've talked about it, right? And I'm, I've always been the kind of advocate, like give I don't want to say uniqueness, right? But give me a reason to use them in particular times. And if so, Jorn's going to be one of the fastest, you know, or one of the quickest mobile, you know, DPS, uh, you know, players to use. Then by all means, right? Like I'm super, I'm super cool with, you know, her becoming that mobility character. Like, oh, he's similar to Soldier, um, you know, but where Soldier kind of plays like that. Uh, Call of Duty, right? Where so Jorn has that rogue gun, and if they're gonna kind of go with that rogue gun, I think that's real cool. So I do think that mobility factor that, that they're they're working with her is awesome. Give her give her some sort of you know quickness and stuff. Yeah, and I think that was a lot of the similarity that that we saw with Soldier, being that Soldier sprint. Thus, thus right. far, I think is the only one that has an all-out sprint. You know, not that he's the only one with, with mobility, but he can sprint forever. Exactly. And yeah. based on that, the with that coupled with the natural passive of uh, all DPS characters getting a little bit faster uh, was was big for Soldier. And I think uh, before I go into the Soldier nerfs, I think one of the big things too with Soldier coming into this game is that historically, with with uh, heroes that they've added post uh, the launch of the game, I feel like most of them have come out in a in a state where they're a little bit, a little bit too very overtuned. Yes. So that we people can, that. so that people can try them, have fun, get comfortable. Uh, get yeah, exactly. Like kind of just here. Here's the new character. They're overpowered. Have fun. Before and then, and, and then, life. and then they, they kind of see where they fit, like in, in the meta game, or whether they define some new meta game, or. You know who who are the who's gonna counter them? Who do they counter? And once they figure all that all that out, like they kind of just tune them down. And okay, we, this is this is the game now with this with, with the with the new era. Whether it was Sigma Echo, uh, just the last couple. Bridget, oh well, yeah, I remember when Bridget yeah, came Brig, out. Yeah, Brig was out. a huge shift in the game. True. God, uh, that was tense when they both came out. Man, remember? God, it was crazy. <laughs> So then, so then, uh, being that, being that she came out and was kind of underwhelming, was kind of, was kind of worrying a little bit. Like, uh, like what's going on here? Why is? I I feel like everybody expected her to be this uber OP character. When she wasn't that, I feel like a lot of people were kind of disappointed. Uh, especially being that the railgun is the first something that's kind of like the first of its kind in this game. Uh, so, her, her competition, like we mentioned, was Soldier. He got a little bit of his damage and his gun reduced. Not very much, but slightly. And, uh, we mentioned about his movement speed on his sprint. They said that they needed to take into account the natural buff or passive that was given to the damage hero, so they reduced his movement speed from 50% to 40%, just to kind of level him out so that uh, he doesn't 
flank and then become this uncatchable person where somebody has to go all out to try and catch him, thus like exiting the fight completely. Uh, there was uh, some changes to Sombra, which I didn't think were too crazy. Uh, Winston, Wrecking Ball, Zarya. Uh, there was a slight nerf to Lucio. They were saying, again, with a... Uh, you skipped Roadhog? Did you mention Roadhog? I, I was going to go back to Roadhog. Oh, okay. I was I, I was going to go back to Roadhog because I feel like his changes. Yeah, his changes. His whole hog is, sounds uh, amazing. So Lucio was another one that was a uh, something Must- where where they had to take into account the passive thing that they gave to healers, where if you don't get touched for a certain amount of time, you end up just naturally healing. Uh, since since his style of healing is also a passive heal, they felt like they had to tune down his self his self healing a little bit. Uh, Batiste got a little bit more ammo for his healing, the healing side of his biotic launcher. Ana. Ana is one of those that uh, is very effective now in 5v5. And part of that, I think, is because of her being able to hide, play back, play backline as a healer, uh, and just use positioning to never really have to heal herself. So that opens up the opportunity for her to be able to use uh, her biotic grenades. Uh, If you're not familiar with the game, uh, her biotic grenade is pretty unique in that, or her character in general. Uh, even her gun, they share this similar trait in which if you shoot with her gun at a teammate, it heals them. But if you shoot it at an enemy, it hurts, damages. And it's the same concept with her grenade. Uh, What it does is it will, will heal. I think it heals a little bit of your team, but the big thing is it buffs healing to them for like a set amount of seconds. I think it was four, and now it's been tuned down to three. Mm-hmm. So I think the big powerful part of Honest Kit was that grenade and how you could use it on the other team now so so to prevent healing on certain people. And now with the with the faster playstyle, it's a lot easier, I think, to... Uh, I know we always call it... Uh, the slang is like somebody's purple or somebody's antied because we call it the antinate. Uh, and naturally, you you communicate that to your team, and everybody knows go after that person. That's our first target, yes, primary sir. target. Big nade, big nade, right? Or <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Brig also got a slight change. I think her shield bash was doubled. Her knockback was doubled. Uh, so, like you mentioned, I saved two characters in particular for the end because I felt like their changes were pretty significant. Uh, the first yes, one being are. Roadhog. Uh, his his uh ultimate ability is something called whole hog, which is kind of was kind of always situational because it is it is an ability that puts out an immense amount of damage with with the trade off being that it has it also has immense knockback, so you're putting out a bunch of damage in front of you, but you're also throwing those people away from you, which can work 
I say situational because if you have somebody up against a wall, you're gonna kill them fast. Or in my uh, and and in the case of if you're playing on a map where there's any kind of chance of like an environmental kill, just like you mentioned, you can use it to your advantage. You don't need to kill them by damage, but you can kill them by throwing them off a ledge. Oh. Uh, so there there was always that little like uh strategy to to using it in either most of the time it was like you want to use it in the right place right because you can't just whole hog in the middle of nowhere and expect something to happen you're it's it it was just this weird situational problem i guess and now they've changed it that it's now what they're calling a channeled ultimate change from it it was a channeled ultimate yeah to a transform ultimate into a transform and they list that other channeled are, for example, Farah, Reaper, and Cassidy. I'm guessing because once you start that, you can't really stop it. Yeah. Exactly. Which I see, I, or that's what I see, like with Farah and Reaper. But I, I'm not sure. Well, keep, I'm not sure well, why they threw Cassidy in there. That kind of is a little confusing. Well, keep, keep in mind, like with Cassidy, right? He's challenging his ability ultimately to one hit kill them. So when it's set, you all you're gonna have the option to is fire, not fire. But ultimately, that that thing is happening. You know, it's going to happen. Where soldier, you can actually, you know, turn off and on, decide when you want to shoot, when you don't. You you still have the the ability of using your your helix shots. You know, Genji, same thing. You still have your ability to kind of do some things, and you kind of still have like almost absolute control. Where Farah, you know, Reaper and Cassidy, you do not have that that control. You like once you're in it, you're committed to your ult. Or as in the soldier, Genji, Winston. You're not. You can always run away, kick back. You can always, you know, uh, not fire, fire. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Yeah, I think the control thing for the control thing makes sense. I just feel like Farah and Reaper. Uh, once you start your old, like you, you're like you're committed. With Cass, I feel like you started. Yes, you're committed. But if you don't like it, like okay, I can. You can just pull the trigger and back out. So I just feel like it's a little bit different. It's a wasted ult, right? I mean, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you it, call it would it be a wasted ult, but you, do you get what I mean? Like with Farah, if you click that button, oh yeah, you're gonna like you're like you're you're up there, you're not moving. You have to wait until the entirety of your ult has completed. Same thing with Reaper, mm. Cassidy. You still, I it feels like you still have a little bit of a choice, and I know there's a little bit of tech too because a lot of people don't think Cassidy's ult is all that good. Because of how long it takes. Uh, so something with Cass is that when you when you pull into your ult, you can just turn it off and you it, it's like another reload. Some people just use it as a as a reload. Uh, so I mean back to what's really important, the whole hog, the weapon no longer automatically fires. Like a Reaper, like a Pharah. Now you can choose when to when to unleash the damage uh, by pressing your primary fire. It says that you're also able to use other uh, other abilities of Roadhog without canceling out your ult. So I want to see how that works. I haven't tested and, it. And good. stuns no longer cancel his ult. Also huge. <laughs> which is big. And I hope that that doesn't happen with everybody. Because <laughs> one of my most satisfying things is Moros, I love canceling Moro ults. <laughs> My favorite. Uh, so yeah, what do you think? Uh, you said you haven't had a chance to try it. Me either. 
Yeah, no, I haven't had a chance to try it, but ultimately, and we said it ourselves, right? Going into the game, Roadhog seemed to be one of those underperforming, again, and you mentioned it, situational type of tanks, right? People are using the Arissas, the Divas, the Winstons, right? Whether to dive or whether to tank, the Reinhardts, whether to tank. But like in what in what instance you really see Roadhog, especially when he uh, when he yeah he has 700 HP, but that guy takes damage. And again, if you're going to use a tank, you're probably better off using somebody else rather than a Roadhog. But if his whole hog is something like that, where now it's become a big deal, I think that I think that's awesome, especially you know for those Roadhog players and stuff like that who just are really good at hooking. Um, to kind of take advantage, the fact that you can use his um, his abilities during a whole hog, so that means you're that much to you can, you can and again one of the things people like to see when a roadhog uses his ult a lot of times people would go right behind him and take him out and kill him quickly because every time as soon as roadhog was done using his ult he was half dead or maybe close to dying so i would hope the fact that you're able to at least hear yourself would would stop that because i don't want to be punished for using my ult you know what i mean like a lot of times i know most, most people don't right but the that's where the pharaohs and 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 the reapers kind of come into play but at least the reaper has that healing ability where and the pharaohs more so it's it's quicker and that was one of her issues but roadhog has a when he used it he's had a good six seven seconds of just being vulnerable like that and not having any other way you know kind of knock back but if you're getting pounded you're gonna you're gonna die quick and then when you're done using it you're already half dead so um, I think the fact that you're able to use with normal abilities, and I want to see how that kind of obviously you'll be able to hook, and then use your ult right in their face. So I think that I think the tech it allows for more tech and, and mechanical skills there too. So I think that's a real awesome. Um, I like it. I like it a lot, personally. Yeah, I still don't think. Uh, I, and I don't think it, it's in any way gonna change him. Dramatically yeah, like change. I just think like you said it's it a great perfectly change. when when you don't want you don't want to be punished. Yeah. Um, because it was situational, if somebody, if he doesn't have you up against a wall, like you said, focus Roadhog, because he's damaging you, but he's also throwing you away from him, yeah. Which, which is putting you in less danger. So yeah, everybody just focuses him, and one of his, uh, one of his very strong things is that he's able to self heal, and he, I, th- I believe he also takes less damage while he's healing. So. Now that he'll be able to say, okay, let me stop my whole hog, let me heal, and let me continue my whole hog, I think it's gonna be huge. It's it's a step in the right in the right direction because I I do like that they give love to these again to make them more viable and unique, right? For these for these characters that aren't really used or you don't see a lot. The last one I'll touch on is another big change. Uh, I don't know where this came from. Well, I guess they explained it. It makes sense. Bit. But, I think it makes sense. But it it was just it, it's just kind of it was kind of out of left field, uh, for me anyway. But uh, Zenyatta. In this uh, fast-paced game, now that that Overwatch is shaping up to be, Overwatch Two shaping up to be. Uh, Zenyatta's were kind of getting bullied out there. I noticed it as, I haven't I didn't play a lot of Zenyatta. I played a little bit of Zenyatta. But I noticed that I was being targeted a lot uh, by the by all the people that are super mobile, the Winstons, the Sojourns, soldiers. Everybody's trying to pick on the the Zenyatta because they don't heal a lot, they don't have a lot of HP. You know, I was getting targeted when I played a little bit. I was getting targeted, or my teammates that I would play with were getting targeted by Sombras. Uh, it's just an easy. 
if if you're not mechanically sound, he's a very easy character to bully. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think with that in mind, they decided to give him some a new passive in terms of uh, being able to melee and create distance between himself and those people diving him or just trying to attack him. Uh, and this new this new passive is called Snapkick. And all it, it increases his quick melee damage by 50% and significantly increases its knock. So the intention being that if some if one of these uh, characters, high mobility is usually what, what characters that try to come at you as Zenyatta, their, their aim is to get in, kill you, get back to their team, and now it's a 4v5. Uh, yeah. With this, you'll be able to create a little bit of distance between you and them at the same time putting in a little bit of damage, a little bit more damage than you would otherwise so that you can discord them and now it's a duel. You still you still have to be able to hit them. But oftentimes if you put in this uh damage create distance and they have a discord I think a lot of times that'll deter people from like okay, I better get out of here. I didn't catch him by surprise. Or, or, you know, I wasn't able to kill him quick enough, so let me just go back with my team. Uh, again, you do have to hit these people with discords. If, if you're, if ultimately, like, I mean, uh, you have to hit them with your, what is it, what is he called? The, what he attacks orbs. with? Oh, his, um, um, his, his orbs, orb. I think, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you orb, do have to but... hit them with your orb. Uh, if you're not able to do that, then they'll probably just say, oh, you know what? I don't have to worry about this guy. Let me just keep diving him. Uh, so it's not without its little, it's, it's not going to be one of these things that's just like super easy. Like, oh, okay, now we can't kill Zen. He's, you're still going to be killable, but there, there's a little bit of skill you have to use in being able to hit certain people. Uh, also, I do see here that his shields were increased from 150 to 75. Mm-hmm. Base. I don't know if they converted that from, I haven't played, I haven't played since this patch, so. I don't know if that means that his base health went up completely or or if they just took 25% or 25% of the health that he had. Because I think he was, what, 50 health and 150 shields? I think so. 200. So I don't know if they just lessened his health and turned it into shields or if now he's a full out uh, 225. Hmm. Let's say we won't find that until we play, right? Yeah. So uh, what do you think of that change? Uh, I like it. I, I, um, just because I like playing Zen. Zen's always real fun. We had this joke, right? We're kind of old frontline Zen, frontline Zen. We usually, like, you know, we don't worry about healing. And obviously, right, you just throw an orb and you're good. But frontline Zen, meaning that our, this Zen ain't playing in the back. You know what I'm saying? This Zen's going to play front and center. <laughs> and be a DPS type person right, right in the, right in the, the face of people. Um, yeah, but either way, I know it's a lot more for like getting bounced by those Winston's that kind of jump on you or those divas. If you're able to knock back, and I'm like, I'm curious to kind of see more or less how it's going to work. You know, am I going to be able to? I don't want to say effectively run away, but obviously create that distance. Whether because yeah, like a Winston can dive me. I ain't killing Winston, you know, uh, unless I'm probably getting headshots under Winston. It's just not, you know, uh, you know, all up in my face or kind of getting that that quick. But like, or maybe a diva is a better example. I don't think I'm killing a diva, you know. 
Um, so effectively, I'm trying to create this distance to run away, I, I would think. So, or run away, or at least put me closer to my team, run towards my team, call out for the help so they can help me out. I think the survival, the survivability is huge. I think so, especially with the, um, that knockback. It's just a knockback more so for me than anything else, because I know a lot of times, um, when I would play Zen and I was getting down, you know, Hey, Rico, help me out. Or somebody, I'm, I'm getting attacked, getting attacked. And, oh, I'm dead. And then by the time they got there, I was already dead. So hopefully creating that knockback, that space. Either I can get there quicker, they can get to me just that little bit quicker, then that's going to make, whether it's a second, a second's a big difference. So either way, I think I think it's cool, and I think I, I like it, especially in the 5 a lot more fast-paced, especially with the lack of tank, and, you know, especially with these DPS are, you know, just awesome. So I think it's good. And again, anything that's going to support the support heroes um, right now, I think is good. Yeah, I think uh, in my case, I think it's going to be a good change. Uh... The way the way I like to play when I'm or the philosophy I like to take when I play healer is that I try to always keep myself in a position where I'm not going to die. Because I feel like if as a healer I die first, my team is going to lose the fight because I died. So I try to always play corners, I try to always play where I have safety okay. from the other team, natural cover. Uh, and not just be out in the open. Uh, I feel like for people that all, for other people that also play that way, um, especially if you either communicate in voice chat or if you're playing with a party or now a little bit to an extent with the ping system, if I'm playing around a corner and a diva or a Winston dives me, I can kick them back around the corner and back up a little bit and tell my team, like, hey, Winston's on me. And if my team is able to get to me, because it, it still takes a Winston, if they, even if they dive straight on top of you, I think they do a little bit of damage and the splash damage from their dive. Yeah. Uh, it, till, it still takes them a little while, unless they execute probably their new combo with the charge up, dive, hit you, and then start beaming you with their Tesla cannon. It still takes them a little while. So if I can kick them away from you, and it works essentially a little bit like a Lucio Boop. Uh, yeah. You know, it'll give me a little bit of time, just that one or two, one, two, maybe three seconds to tell my team, hey, this guy's on me, I need you. And whether your team responds or not is, you know, depends on who you play with or, or whatever, but at least you have that chance. It's not going to be like, oh, I'm going for Zen instantly. Yeah, right. Uh, so I think, I think for, for people that try and... Use that natural cover, use corners, do all that kind of stuff. I think it's could make a big difference. And then uh, it's going to add another dynamic to Zenyatta being that now those uh, Lijiang Tower maps, the well, where, where you see that uh, those opportunities for, um, what do you call them, when you knock people off the stage? kills yes for those environmental kills now now if 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 this is indeed a significant increase to knockback now you're also going to be able to hold some of those natural covers i'm thinking of a lijong tower where the where that bridge is right there you can just kick people off just like the way the way we normally play with lucio but i'm confused okay in that case by creating distance, 
Um, I, and again, this is this will be answered obviously when I when we play the game. When it says knockback and it says significantly increases its knockback, I'm I'm knocking them back, right? I'm not being knocked back myself, correct? No, no, lose your boop. Think lose your boop. Okay, so I'm now I have a boop with Zen. So you're doing you're booping and you're doing double melee damage. Now I'm not, also not cared. double, not double, fifty percent more. Huh. So okay. you melee your melee damage is more than normal and you're knocking them back. So I've already seen I've seen a little bit of it. I haven't had my hands on it itself, but I've seen a little bit of Zen kicking people into the well, kicking people off the bridge. I wanna see. I wanna play. I don't I don't really wanna see. No, I wanna play. I don't wanna see. I don't. I always like to experience it myself. I want to see it. I want to play it. That's cool. Yes. Hopefully this will open up a lot more people be uh, playing Zen, trying this out, seeing Front if, it, line Zen, if, Rico. If, if, if it's viable or not. Uh, Frontline. Everybody else, get behind me. <laughs> yeah. <behind> me. <laughs> so then uh, I guess one last thing I wanted to touch on is I did watch Overwatch League yesterday. Uh I was actually out at the movies yesterday, so I didn't watch the I didn't get to watch it live. Uh, but I watched it after afterwards when I got home. Uh, and I did watch over the Overwatch League matches today. And the most played tank was Winston. It was pretty much Winston. A little bit. I think the first day was all Winston. I think one team ran Doomfist. Uh, and then today I saw a little bit more variety. I think I saw uh, a Rhine, which later switched to Winston. I saw a Diva that later switched to Winston. And then I saw one team completely from beginning to end run Doomfist. Zero Arisa, which I was surprised. Well, you said so, right? I think you said it, you mentioned a while back. We talked about it, and this was not on the podcast. But as far as Arisa, you know, when you're dealing with pro players, obviously the coordination is, is a lot more intense, and their ability to kind of jump and focus is obviously going to be a lot better than in our, in our case. So, and and I know you mentioned, right? You you kind of take out the backline first, whether it's a support, you take out the DPS, and the, it gets very similar to what we did in Overwatch run, right? Where you just are just going to um, focus everybody else. And then we save Arissa for last because, yeah, she's a tank. It's hard to kill. So if you're trying to focus her first, everybody else is going to be able to pick you off. But if you're able to kill everybody first and save that Arissa for last just because the Arissa doesn't have that, you know, as I think of this one, obviously the, deep, the big damage output compared to, like, you know, a, a Reaper or a Soldier, obviously, you know, that's going to be the way to go. So it made sense what you said last time. A lot of sense. Yeah, what I, what I had read uh, or what I had heard from content creators is, that people were, people were thinking Arissa was this big bad, and that you just had to outlast her, because if you focus her while she still has her abilities in her pocket, and she's able to mitigate all that damage, specifically with the, with the little spinning spear, uh, all that all that damage is going to waste because you're pumping all that into ultimately something that is erasing it, while her team ha- kind of has free reign on you. So I had read, I had seen that people would say exactly what you said: either go for her team, or make her waste her cooldowns, then attack her. Uh, but I think, like you mentioned, uh, the pros just being able to take uh, teamwork, callouts, 
and and targeting to just a completely different level uh especially with the game being faster already naturally it just lends itself to those high mobility heroes and there was like i said there was a little bit of degree of different with the diva and the reinhardt which i think they only used like for one or two points just because of how uh there was natural cover in some of the maps uh we did get to see push uh in the Overwatch League for the first time, which was actually very entertaining. Uh, just because it's such a dynamic game mode. Like, the fights could be anywhere. Uh, and they actually interviewed the game director, I think, in between the first two matches. And he mentioned that he they're really liking Push. And they he said one thing that he notices is that Push almost always goes to overtime. And they love that. That there's always a chance for the other team to win at the end. You, it's just a matter of making the right decisions, the right call. You know, of course, we've been in games already, too, where, yes, we're in overtime, but it's kind of a long shot. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like, let's go straight into what do we think of push? I know. I feel like I'm the only one. I think that's a little sold on it from our group. I think uh, the rest of y'all are not quite there yet. No, well, I'm more on. I'm still on the fence. I haven't seen enough, personally, just to kind of at least be comfortable with it. And one of the things that kind of bugs me the most is just you know not understanding the maps. Like I, I usually know where health packs are. I usually know you know where to go, where to be. You know, and 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 I was thinking right now there's only two push maps, so I haven't really gotten a feel of where I can be because the only times I actually get into them are the times I'm playing you know in a quick play game. Whereas before, we would at least get into those custom games or get into a make-your-own-game mode and kind of just explore like we used to do and stuff like that just to kind of have that better advantage because spacing, that's what's important. You know, getting into that push the first the first couple of times, it took a long time to win a game. And I was just like, I was having a hard time figuring out what exactly am I trying to do as far as, you know, my role and, you know, where am I going to be? Where should I be? When should I, when should I go? When should I stay back? And I, I was still kind of tr- figuring figuring those things out, and because, and again, I don't see, you know, I I'm not big on the content creators and stuff like that. I don't really I don't really see any of those things. I'll watch Overwatch League, and you know, a few every now and then because I do enjoy watching those guys play. Uh, but as far as anything on YouTube and stuff, I don't really see that. So I'm kind of I'm picking up on these aspects, you know, myself or in games or uh, other people doing it, and kind of what they do, or or when Rico tells me do this, do that, right? So you know, that's when I'm picking up on those things, and. I'm a lot more um, responsive. I'm going to be a lot more positive, responsive with it. I'm going to go and I'm going to do what I can for you know for for myself. I know we have a couple of our other friends who ultimately just no, don't because that's not. Uh, I don't want to think. I don't want to. I don't want to kind of go through it. I just kind of want to play and kind of you know want to have fun and stuff. And I, and I get it. And I get it. You know. Um, whereas we we appreciate the strategy, right? We appreciate the. Um, figuring out the situations and kind of you know trying to make the best of those things you know and ultimately i know i know in our in our group friends rico and i seem to be the ones that are usually communicating and stuff like that as far as a more situational and strategy type stuff where everybody else is kind of you know just agreeing or disagreeing and kind of following our stuff so when rico is the only one doing it right and we're kind of we're all trying to kind of figure out you know what was up and again at the time i still i was still kind of trying to you know figure out 
again, what, what that role was, you know, I was just, okay, well, I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out. And I'm still trying to understand when I should push, when I should stay back, who should push, who should stay back. And it, I kind of got the, you know, I kind of got the hang of it where it kind of came down to, for example, what our friends, Andrew, um, again, and again, this is just me speaking. I still, I'm still not sure what the correct play is. Who's pushing? Who's going to stay on the on the robot to push? Is it going to be a healer? Is it going to be two people? Is it going to be a TPS guy while the healer's up front with the tank? Is it going to be a tank? Everybody stays behind him. Does everybody stay behind? You know what I mean? And I, I kind of got to experiment at least with some of that. You know, kind of figure out figuring out what works. And strangely enough there was a night where Rico did not play with us and it was just me, Andrew, and Omar. We played three push games and won all three push games. And for whatever reason, we won the ball. And I remember telling Andrew and I said, I was, I was like, Andrew, push. I was like, um, I'm pushing. I'm, I was a tank. And, I, and Omar was a support. Omar, come with me. Come with me. And, and and then another game where Omar was Hanzo. Omar had run Hanzo. I was like, I'm pushing with her Hanzo. I'm pushing with her Hanzo because I was Diva. And we in these guys were coming out. So me and Hanzo and support were at least being able to focus one guy at a time, try to take him out while Andrew was in the back with a soldier, kind of popping off, popping off, popping off. And Andrew let us know, hey, I'm, I'm, uh, there's a Sombra back here or somebody's back here, you know, I need help. So one person was able to go back. And so it kind of, we kind of got a lot more comfortable in it. But again, this was after a handful of games, right? And after a kind of handful of figuring out just what our roles were. So ultimately, I'm coming around to them. Again, it's Overwatch. I'm always going to come around to it. Um, I am getting the hang of it a lot more so. And so hopefully when we play again, you know, it'll be a little bit more interesting, right? And I think I think the other guys are coming around to it too. I can't speak for them, but I think they are because we've been winning. And winning's always good. People like winning. Winning's fun. It's when you're losing that, you know, it gets annoying. So the whole only thing I heard was we only win without Rico. <laughs> hey, we, we we won. We, we won a couple with it. We won, no. But to be fair, I think as a matter of fact, we, we had won a couple with you the time before that. But it was just funny, like, because in and and Andrew, you know, shout out to Andrew always. Oh, I hate push. I hate push because and, and you know Andrew was one of those who was just kind of like and trying to figure out what he needs to do. And and Andrew is gonna is he's a team player. Gonna do do what we tell him to. He's gonna follow our lead. You know, hey Andrew, do this. Do that. I got you. I got you. Big time team player. You know, and that's always great to have somebody on that team. So when we're playing and again when we're trying to make these calls and stuff like that and again when I'm telling Andrew like hey well maybe you should stay back or I'll stay back and stuff like that again we're trying to there's that confusion. You know, so the fact that we kind of found this rhythm here and there, and again, it always helps, right? Because um, just having that, having that unison. So it, it's working so far, uh, but I don't think it has anything to do with you not playing with us. Hmm. Again, <laughs> all I heard was Rico suck. <laughs> GG's. Hey, Rico not playing, dog. We, we win us. No, as a matter of fact, we played a, we played a few of them. I think we won, we won a lot of them. I think we played about seven or eight games. We won about six or seven. We did lose the last one, though. We didn't just lose. We got, we got murked. And it's always fun, right? Because, you know, um, losing, I think we, we just had a chance. But I say I was tired. I was playing tank. And I said, I was. And Omar, uh, Omar was also kind of. Uh, tired too, so I think we were kind of really done by that last one, man. But we got we got cream, man. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, specifically what I like about push is just that it's so much in real time decision making. Um, and oddly enough, I know we make fun of one of our friends, uh, because he brings up a certain game a lot, but it reminded me a lot of the role that I always used to play when we would play Destiny. Exactly. I knew we were going to go there. <laughs> but, uh, but I was a Destiny player for a long time. Even so, like when Overwatch came out, 
I wasn't on it right away because I was real hooked on Destiny. Uh, I used to be all up like on doing the raids and stuff like that. And one thing that I was always, I wasn't the best. I wasn't the best player, but one thing that I always prided myself on in that game is that I could do whatever the team needed. I could adapt all the time. Sure, yeah. If we had somebody die and they were feeling they were supposed to be watching the left room and they weren't able to be revived, I would say, don't worry, I got it. And just being able to know what, we're, what everybody on the team is supposed to be doing, and if something happens and one of them dies, I can fill that in. That I always liked being able to adapt mid-game and do something different and have to... The game being having all these variability things where I should, like making the right trying to make the right decision and in that case it was only it was a different dynamic because it was only against the computer it was a pve uh style here now in pvp you also have to account for like how has the other team been playing have they been aggressive have they been playing back should i push should i not push how is my how has the rest of my team been playing do i think they'll back me up because if they're not, I better not push because they're not going to have my back. Then I'm going to be pissed. Funny. And I'm going to blame <laughs> it on them because, of course, the philosophy is Overwatch is, is it my fault or is it yours? Well, it's never my fault, so it must it's be yours. It's always your fault. Hell yeah, it is, dude. Yeah. Hell so, yeah. So it, it's just so many things that you have to read in real time that I just love it because it's so stimulating. And like Marcus said, you have to, I actually learned something today about push that it is unique from, it's different from uh, payload in that the robot travels the same speed no matter how many people are on it. So you never need more than one person pushing the payload. Or- we noticed that too, actually, when we were playing with you. I was like, hey, can we get two people on there? And Andrew goes, nah, man, it seems like it's moving because Omar and, uh, Re- and Andrew are back there. And I was like, Get the hell out! Cause get up front, man. So we we actually discovered that, yeah, which is I, interesting. I, only because I heard it for sure because the the game director said it. So I really, know sh- I know for sure. Like, yeah, that it's one speed. That was that's that was funny. That's funny I mentioned that, man. That's crazy. So, uh, yeah, and I, I I am one of those people that likes to watch a lot of Overwatch League, a lot of content creators because I feel like somebody this has is one to. of this is one of those games. This is uniquely a game where. You don't have to. It's not all about mechanics and being able to be like some god aimer or something like. That. Oh, that's a there's 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 so many different roles that you can learn tactic, and you can learn positioning, and you can learn what you should be keeping track of in terms of how long has it been since Winston has used his ult? How long has this guy used his ult? Uh, should that who call out calling out to your team, being able to make call outs, say like, hey, expect a diva bomb, expect the Reinhardt to shatter here coming up, recognizing that a Reinhardt is acting a little bit weird. So guys, be ready for shatter. He's looking for it. I know that look in his eye. <laughs> you know, a lot of those things you pick, you can pick up from watching other people. You you know, it does nothing for me to watch these guys that can flick all over because I don't have the aim they have. Uh, but tactics, you can learn. Uh, so that that's one of the things I love about watching Overwatch. Uh, 
But yeah, I think uh, not to say that push is perfect. I think it still needs a little bit of tuning. I think they've talked about that. They're going to fix a little bit of things here and there in terms of interactions. And uh, I think with balance updates and stuff to some of the heroes, uh, different once uh, more play styles become a little bit more viable, uh, maybe using some different tanks, using some different healers, using some different uh, DPS characters, it'll it'll change and it'll become a little bit more of a chess match of not just where when should I push, when should I uh, pull back, but also countering each other like a chess match, which is what it, which is what I envisioned for this game mode. Uh, but yeah, that's that's push. Hopefully, it just improves. I'm sure we'll again beta. So nothing, yeah, it's just the no, first. No, nowhere to go but up. Uh, anything else with gaming? I know we touch on Overwatch a lot. Um, as else? far as gaming is concerned, um, I'm not sure. I know we had sports next, but I did want to kind of get to something. Um, but I, you know, I get, I'll get into it in a bit. I think we're done with gaming. I, I will get into what I want to talk about in a bit. Cause it kind of encompasses anime and gaming and it's just, it's just kind of like a, you know, I don't want to say public, public service announcement, but it's a thing that kind of goes on. So, uh, but no, I think it's a, I'm, I'm done with gaming. Okay. I think, yeah, I think that's it for me too. Nothing else, uh, really too. This week. Oh, 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 actually, actually, uh, did you catch wind of that? Uh, you might have seen it in the group chat. I think somebody else posted it, and I think I posted it within our our group chat that we have too. Um, podcast was done by a professional wrestler. He he's been doing a couple of podcasts for a while now by the name of real famous guy Stone Cold Steve Austin. If you grew up in the last twenty years no, or so, you have years. to. Have- you had to have heard of this guy. Uh, thirty years. Yeah, thirty years. You're right. Uh, and he's been doing he's been doing uh, this series of podcasts. Uh, this one specifically, he interviews other wrestlers, more modern, current day wrestlers, some of the old school wrestlers. And in this latest one, uh, he had a guy that recently made his return to the WWE by the name of Cody Rhodes. Uh, I don't know how they got on the subject. Of talking of games and the Legend of Zelda, Cody Rhodes says that which which game did he call out? He said that yeah, he said Ocarina of Time, uh, one of the best video games ever made, the best Zelda ever made. And Stone Cold proceeded to say, uh uh-uh. uh, Breath of the Wild, the best Zelda game ever made, and that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said. Which, which is crazy, crazy, and I'm not about to get on that soapbox right now because I can talk about that soapbox all day. I have played every Zelda game multiple times, for the exception of the Adventure of Link. It's the only one I played once, and again, it was kind of an afterthought. Um, I did play the first one uh, twice. Uh, I played Link to the Past. I played uh, uh, DX again. I, I played them all at least once, and I can never really give you a opinion as far as what I think is the best um, Zelda game of all time. Uh, I probably could after I've done sit down, done some research, and kind of get get myself, you know, some variables and stuff like that. I could I could even give you which one I found myself most enjoyable. But the fact that we have two people arguing uh, which Zelda games the best in Breath of the Wild, I know I know a lot of people, and I guess that weapon system that they couldn't get around. But ultimately, you know, you have when the when the fields your playground, and I'm always going to advocate for that thing. When the fields your playground, you know, 
it doesn't really matter what weapon you have, man. I can I can scroll through everything and just be able to kill everything, just about anything. Uh, but Orcarino does have that, you know, 3D special place in a lot of people's hearts. And I, that's one game where I've been multiple times, maybe like at least seven or eight times. And that's probably a lower number compared to some people out there. Um, but I'm not going to get into that discussion. But I'm glad they gave those those two those two games a shout out. Uh, personally, um, you know, I I'm they always kind of bring those up, but they they never mention on Links of the Past or um, the other two games, um, uh, Seasons and Ages. Um, super super underrated for Zelda games. Nobody ever talks about them, so I'm always going to advocate for those handheld games, handheld Zelda games, because I personally love those. Uh, but yeah, I'm not going to get into that right now. But hey. Awesome! <laughs> awesome! I can go on, man. Oh, oh I know. Thing. I just—it's—it's uh, it's one of the last things I expected to hear, I, and I haven't listened to the whole thing. That was just a tidbit that I was able to catch that people, you know, hey, made man, a big deal about. Because so, I think yeah. a lot of us, a lot of us, like that was the last thing we expected the, those two guys to talk about the Legend of Zelda. And anytime <laughs> I hear anything about the Legend of Zelda, I autom- my mind automatically goes to Marcus, and it, it just gave me a little bit of a t- so. Uh, but yeah, just uh, needed to make sure that put that out there. Uh, but we can move on. I think you wanted to touch. I don't know if you wanted to touch on sports at all, or you want to go straight into. Well, I mean, anime just, uh, or we could go into anime just because I know sports. Usually, we're just keeping up with the, with the basketball games, and I know this this one just wrapped up, and I was watching as we were talking, um, with the Mavericks and the Suns, um. But we'll get that to, get into that in a bit, just because I don't feel like we're gonna kind of touch base on that a lot. Um, just because we're already in the second round, we have few routines and stuff like that. There's kind of a little less to talk about. Even in the anime, I just kind of wanted to kind of touch base on some stuff. Um, there was one topic on anime I did kind of want to uh, not address, but kind of just you know, again, I don't say public service announcement, but just something you should be kind of aware of. Um, but yeah, just to kind of go with the anime section. Uh, before we get into Odd Taxi, and that's later on with Doctor Strange, I just kind of want to get into some of the old school animes from the '90s and stuff like that. Um, just to kind of talk about them briefly. Um, one of the ones I did want to mention, I'm always and I'm always going to mention is the um the old school ones, the ones from the '90s, the ones that we kind of grew up with. And I know growing up, and Enrico can vouch for me, Tsunami. And if you were a kid in elementary school, um, you got home at 3.30 and you were automatically watching. And I remember one of the earliest ones you had. Uh, uh, help me here, Rico. I remember Sailor Moon. I know it's changed a while, but I remember Sailor Moon. Um, I remember Gundam Wing, I think was maybe towards, what, maybe like 2000, maybe, maybe 1999. Obviously, the big one that everybody saw was Dragon Ball Z. Uh, one that was a Canadian animation was Reboot. Um, I, I remember seeing Outlaw Star uh, during that time. Uh, and again, I know if you grew up in that time, you know, Toonami was a big, big thing. And, and, and the reason I'm bringing up Toonami is because that was probably one of the only sort of anime that we kind of had access to. Because um, remember, internet wasn't really a big thing. And, if, and the only way to watch anime, which was, which was whatever, on, whatever was on TV, you know, now they obviously they have, you know, Crunchyroll, the Funimation app, you know, well, the Crunchyroll app just now, uh, in this case, High Dive and stuff like that, um, and even the Blu-rays that you can buy. But ultimately, if you were if you grew up in the in the early '90s, you know, trying to watch anime, it was kind of hard to find a medium. So Toonami was that outlet. 
So I know Dragon Ball Z was one of the big, big ones. And again, I, I mentioned the story a while back where, you know, growing up, I would watch Sailor Moon just because it was kind of, it was one of the few anime that was out there. And I realized that I really liked this medium from a very, a very, very early age. So I just kind of want to bring it out there just because I know a lot of the, a lot of, we're, there's a lot of new anime fans, a lot of young anime fans. And I'm talking, you know, uh, again, being a teacher, um, we're starting to hear a lot of the the kids in elementary school starting to kind of dress up for Halloween as Naruto and as Sasuke and as, you know, Luffy and, uh, you know, just different anime characters. So it's kind of tripped out that, and I'm always going to say it's be, it's become a cool thing. So um, I'm, I'm saying it just for the sake of getting, you know, who, whomever is listening, getting these younger guys um, or older, you know, 19 20 year olds who maybe who maybe are not familiar with those type of anime that came out in the 90s and just to kind of give you a couple of examples i know uh mobile suit gundam and and that actually started from way from the i would say one of what late 70s early 80s i'm not mistaken um mobile suit gundam dragon ball ranma uh one and a half slam dunk was another one in the 90s like a sailor moon neon genesis evangelion which kind of got uh not kind of it did on netflix kind of got a new dubbing uh, compared to what was released in the 90s. Uh, another one's Roni Kenshin. Big one, Berserk came out also in the 90s. Um, Yu-Gi-Oh, Cowboy Bebop, Trigun, uh, Serial Experiments Lane, kind of like, I think it was the early 2000s, if I'm not mistaken, late 1990s. The first series of Hunter x Hunter, Great Teacher Onizuka. So there's a lot to kind of go to uh, go off of. Um, so I just kind of want to address that bit there as far as retro anime is concerned. Go out there, give that old stuff a chance, you know, and, and a lot of people with the animation, don't let the animation animation turn you turn you off because the stories are just as powerful, just as great. Hell, you know, I was watching and I and I didn't realize like Slam Dunk uh was one of those that, you know, is super awesome. If you're a basketball fan, you gotta watch it. As a matter of, I'm not even done yet. I think I'm on episode thirty or something like that. But again, it's one of those older ones that just hold up. And I, and I totally forgot to mention, Yu Yu Hakusho was another one that was on Toonami growing up. And again, these are the ones that we kind of had access to. So those are the ones that you're going to hear a lot of people our age, my age, uh, kind of talk about just because those are the first ones. And again, people were closet nerds back in the day. I don't care what anybody says. You know, even even the most gnarliest guy our age, I'm pretty sure, saw Toonami. But that's just me. Um, so, yeah, I just want to kind of touch base just to kind of on that, on that old older anime type stuff. I don't know if you have any uh, to, uh, uh, any memories of Tsunami yourself. Yeah, or? I was actually thinking. I remember watching uh, Tsunami even before Dragon Ball Z was on there. And, was before that, yeah. What and was I look and I just looked it up. I was and I, there's two shows that I remember specifically: Thundercats and Johnny uh, Quest. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then. And I, I, I was able to pull up a page with the history of Toonami, and it says, from 97 to 99, they had Thundercats, Cartoon Roulette, which I think is, uh, it says here that it was just composed of different, uh, different uh, shows, Space Ghost, Birdman, Hell Galaxy yeah, yeah. Trio, Herculoids, yes. Might Zor, Shazam, Teen Force, and The Impossibles, and 1940 Superman. So I remember that. A lot more, not a lot more than Dragon Ball Z, than the Dragon Ball Z era, but I remember as far back as that, because I remember the Thundercats, the Roulette ones, yeah, Voltron, Johnny Quest, and uh, even Space Ghost. Uh, and then, of course, it kind of just was able to go into a whole different thing when you got the Dragon Ball Zs, the Sailor Moons, 
the Gundams. Uh, you mentioned Aula Star too. Uh, but yeah, when we were ch- when we were kids, man, Cartoon Network was was it. Like, oh yeah, talk about a channel that just always had content for us kids, like to be able to get into and uh, whether it was you know uh, Dexter's Lab, Powerpuff Girls, Tsunami, like. No, those are. I know I'm going a little bit away from anime too, but you, you know, no, no, Cartoon hey. Network was amazing. And uh, At, on top of Cartoon Network, and I don't know if you ever did, um, because again, when you're kind of looking for these super cool cartoons, and I know, and strangely enough, they kind of mixed up a little bit of the anime and the uh, American type of cartoons. And I'm not sure if you ever did, but one of my earliest, not earliest, right? But I remember, you know, having somebody wake me up at 6 a.m. just so I can, just so I can. Saturday catch mornings. Saturday mornings, dude. You can, <laughs> That's I right. There was a Digimon marathon, and I woke up at 6 a.m. to watch that Digimon marathon. To then watch Kirby, um, Lucha Libre. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, mm. and that was actually considered anime. The guy, it was the uh, well, no muscle man, the muscle man, Lucha Libre muscle man. One of those, dude. And I remember just like totally, you know, just geeking out. And there was Bakugan, Metabots, you know, all kinds of stuff that you don't really see over here of nowadays. So I, I just, didn't, I just wanted to kind of talk about it and touch base a little bit more on on those and kind of give them a special shout out just to go ahead and, and check those out. I don't know, I don't know what kind of Saturday cartoons you watch though. Uh, I watched a little bit more of like the Pokemon. I know the Pokemon would come out a lot on. Yeah, yeah, Pokemon. We used to buy the on Saturdays. Those VHS movies, we used to buy them a lot, man. And and I remember they used to come out once every two or three months. Uh, Two of them used to come out once every two or three months, and my mom would actually take us to a sun here at the mall, uh, Mm -hmm. where we used to come. Remember Suncoast? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, Suncoast was was just a store full of DVDs and movies. Uh, VHS at the times, because obviously Blu-rays were not a thing, and DVDs were actually just becoming a thing, a norm, uh, during that time. But we still had a VHS player, and because DVDs was was a premium, right? We still had the VHS player, so my mom would actually um, pre-order, and pre-orders were a thing, and the way pre-orders worked, and I remember, was there was a, a release list behind it. The guy pulled out a book, wrote down our names, and says, copy of this and copy of this. There was no electronic stuff. Like, they were ahead of the time, and I think they kind of uh and they went i don't know what happened to that store or whatever but i don't know if they went under but uh or how they went under but i think they were just way ahead of their time and we used to pick up the first two copies of pokemon and daniel my, who's my little brother used to pick up the first uh two vhs on a, on the regular of the dragon ball z series so it's crazy man <laughs> crazy that was a that was a great store uh and they had was, a was... section in the back i remember and i used to rouse that not knowing what the hell i was looking at because again, I was young at the time. I, I you know we didn't have access to anything um, to kind of help me figure out what that stuff was. Yeah, and I, I remember like the ones I would watch. Again, I mentioned the Pokemon. I was really into the Spider-Man animated series, Batman animated series, X-Men, uh, all those things, uh, cartoons. And I, I feel like I also have to mention not we we talked shouted out Cartoon Network, Tsunami also. But Nickelodeon also, I was very into, I don't know if you were into him, but I was very into Rugrats. Uh, hey Arnold, and Hey Arnold was another one that on, I hey loved. Arnold. Hey Arnold and Rugrats are actually the ones I saw quite a bit. Um, there was Doug, and I, do, I know Doug flipped between Disney and Nickelodeon. Uh, mm-hmm. I did watch a lot of that one also. Um, Fairly Odd Parents is the one that took off. That's the one I kind of 
started watching a lot of and i know uh, i was already older by the time um it came out um but fairly odd parents i know spongebob hit it big at the time too but i was super big to fairly odd parents to this day and i don't have i don't really have much cable anymore but um whenever i go somewhere there's cable and for some odd reason you know like go to my mom's house and they used to ask cable and i'll just flip on the tv and for some reason fairly odd parents always showing that i'll watch for all the other parents just because it was something i used to do growing up so yeah, some of the other ones that I don't, I, I that I'm looking at a list here that I think we forgot to mention was reboot. Yeah, I mentioned it. I, the, oh, the you Canadian did. Oh, okay, I must yeah. have missed it. Uh, a little bit of reboot. Samurai Jack also was on that. Uh, Tsunami on Cartoon Network. I did hear you talk about Yu Yu Hakusho. Jackie Chan Adventures. Remember that one? Yeah, I remember Jackie Chan Adventures. Yeah, and and like you say, um, like you say, it's it's nice that like we watched all of this, kids, uh, and maybe when we were in school, I remember some people uh, were still into all these things and still watch the the tsunamis and the anime and all that stuff, and were it, it was kind of like this weird time where. If you were in middle school age, maybe even early high school, and you wa- you were into all this stuff, like you were like a weird kid. Uh, and I think it's very nice nowadays that it's come into like the mainstream, and that you, that isn't like people don't judge people for liking this kind of stuff like that anymore. At least that's what it feels like to me. Yeah. Uh, whether it's because you know. Shows are just becoming more popular. You know, everybody's into the into some show in some way or another. Uh, and like you said, like just give some of these old ones a chance, uh, or even so, or even if you don't watch any anime at all, give some of the new stuff a chance. Like, there's something out there for everybody. There's a story, a character, uh you know, fight scenes, if that's what you're into. Uh, genre, just, you know. Yeah, genre in general, too. There there really is something out there for everybody. And uh, it's really cool uh, nowadays that there's just so much knowledge out there, like people like Marcus that know a lot about anime and uh, other people that I see online, too, where you can say, well, these are the animes that I like. And these are the ones that I've seen. These are my favorites. What do you think I should check out that I'll like that is that similar style or will give me character I like, which in my case, like me, I'm all about characters. Uh, And people can usually name you that. I know one thing, uh, that's one thing I always look to Marcus for, like, what should I watch next? What do you think I'll like? What do you think I I don't, I won't like? And I don't think he's missed yet. And we have another friend also that confides in Marcus. Uh, I think he's mentioned him before, and he mentioned him earlier. He's one of the guys that plays Overwatch with us, Andrew, also, that looks to him for, like, what do I watch? Uh, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. He, I don't think he's missed with him yet either, except for Steins Gate Zero. Steins <laughs> Gate Zero. I don't know. If, I, 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 <laughs> he hates on me for that one just because, oh, it's a crappy sequel. I don't know what. I was like, you're just a hater. <laughs> but he, loved, he, he said he really enjoyed that first one. Uh, Steins Gate, so for what it's worth, but I just hate because uh, Steins Gate's one of my favorite anime of all time. Um, 
and and that kind of lends itself. I'm, I'm glad you're talking about it to my next thing. Um, it also kind of lends itself to 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 gaming also. So as far as anime and gaming is concerned, kind of a topic just to kind of bring up is burnout. And I want to bring up burnout because um, I don't really follow a lot of stuff on YouTube, but I do get my news from somewhere, obviously, you know. And I do enjoy people who who know, you know, and and yeah, I know a lot about anime. I do. Um, but there's uh, there's always gonna be somebody out there who knows a little bit more than you, or a lot more, more a lot more than you, um, and stuff like that. So I'm always looking to see, you know, get other people's thoughts and opinions because, you know, and and it's always cool to have like Andrew or Rico here because you know, or even one of our other friends, Cordelio, who seems more of the, of the mainstream stuff to kind of talk about it with stuff like that. But when I really get into these things and I I, I kind of see some that you know are just obscure or niche, and I kind of really want to, you know, I do follow a YouTuber called uh, For Never. Uh, for never news, for never world is what he calls himself. You can you can look him up and very knowledgeable. I always enjoy his opinions because always on the same track and I always look at the comments and you know very similar too. And, you know, real cool guy, real cool comments, real cool people. I don't I don't think I've seen I, I've seen you know a, a crazy person yet. So it's always fun and cool to see um, the different type of people. And again, whether you're uh, you know you mainstream, casual, you know something not for everybody. Um, but very knowledgeable, obviously seen a lot. So I'm always looking to find and see different people's opinions and aspects um, as far as anime is concerned. But one of the things I want to kind of talk about, and again, I'm bringing him up, uh, is because of burnout. He just released a video right now where he's kind of talking about where he feels like he's experiencing. And this is a guy who's done anime content for years. And he, and he says, I think I'm experiencing some sort of anime burnout. And he kind of goes into it where it's like one of those things. And again, it also applies to gaming where you kind of get tired and you kind of, just, you, it becomes a kind of like a chore and work. And you obviously, you don't want your hobbies to kind of turn into those things. You use your hobbies as a means of kind of escaping reality and, and kind of feeling better and kind of, you know, dwelling into the story and getting into a story that you really want to complete and do. Um, so he, he mentions about maybe, you know, he says, I think he's experiencing that. And he, he mentions that he's experienced some before and people in the comments also saying, yeah, you know, I left it for a year. I left it for two years. I left it for six months. And I'm thinking like, that's, that's intense, right? Like, you know, to kind of get into that type of a situation. I know it's happened to me actually, not with anime, strangely enough, um, but with more video games, you know, there was a point where I, and it wasn't for a long period of time, don't make me wrong, because I always tell myself, like, no, like, that's that's not something, like, like I want to play this game, I want to, and then you kind of play something, or it usually happens with Zelda every time I stop playing, where I kind of get to revitalize love for it. Um, but, like, and, and with anime or gaming in general, right, um, just anime burnout, just a real thing, and there's a super cool list that I found, you know, kind of different ways to kind of combat that anime burn. Um, or a gaming burnout just to kind of you know keep it fresh and keep it going and strangely enough i feel not that i've experienced that lately but it is a breath of fresh air and there's always a joke that oh it's not animated oh i'm not watching oh it's not it's not anime i ain't watching it but oh, there are no joke. yeah it's no <laughs> joke but strangely enough strangely enough i do get i do get that you know or if I'm watching a you know a live action show for X amount of period, I think to myself, okay, I saw a live action show. I'm ready to go back to anime. Like it, it it's it's not that quick of a break. But the fact that <laughs> okay, I did my part. With, yeah, exactly. <laughs> with different mediums, I think it's okay, right? So kind of starting from the top and 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 chime in, Rico, whenever you can, uh, whenever you feel you can, because I know you you probably experienced you know anime burnout, uh, gaming burnout, live action burnout, some sort of burnout burnout with entertainment, because it all applies to the same things. And maybe you can relate or you can add on or maybe you feel differently than kind of the things that I'm going to kind of go through. Um, I know one of the things that a lot of people do is they kind of experiment with different genres. 
they go from and again this is usually your shonen right and again when it comes to shonen type anime or shonen type manga it's shonen 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 op op or like main character main character main character becomes op becomes op goes becomes op that storyline kind of stays the same and it kind of looks a little bit familiar as, as far as the overall plot lines and stuff like that so experiencing with diff different genres might help with um that burnout uh same thing with video games right if you're kind of constantly playing that same genre of video games kind of maybe getting into something else for the time being might get you to feel better about going back to that to your favorite genre um i know um, another thing can be uh, binge watching. Now, I don't know how Riku feels about binge watching, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him right now in a bit what his preferences are. But I I I I'm not big on week to week. I try to binge watch because I just need to get to the bottom line of the story, and I don't think that has anything to do with burnout. But that's just preference. But watching too many too much of one thing can get old quick, especially if you're doing it as a chore or if you're doing it for work. Especially if you just find it interesting or okay. I don't think that's enough, personally. I think you, in order to binge watch something, you have to really uh, get into it and enjoy the characters for what they are. Um, but I'm kind of curious on Rico's take on binge watching in general. Uh, how, do you, how do you feel about it? I feel like uh, over the last couple of years with the with the introduction, I'm not sure if anyone did it before Netflix, but with this introduction of of uh, people or Netflix, I'll just say Netflix, uh, putting out whole seasons and stuff like that at a time, it's it's changed the dynamic of of being able to watch even new shows all at once and finishing. And I will say that I appreciate binge watching. Uh, Sometimes, sometimes but, you see that. That's what I was but, wondering. But I'm a big, but I'm a very, very big fan of watching the things that I love the most week to week because I appreciate, and it's not for everybody, but I appreciate being left wondering like, what's next, and that's, that, that's what we're different. <laughs> that 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 anticipation because. I'm able to, if I want to, I can watch the episode again and catch something I missed, maybe. Uh, or I, I can start to see what other people think uh, in, like, fan theories. I can create my own theories. Where do I think this is going? Did I notice that this character did this? What do I think that means for next week? What And, you know, that anticipation that builds, like, uh, one thing that I'm watching right now, I know it's not anime, yuck, right? But is uh, Halo live action? Uh, Halo. I'm also watching. Uh, been watching uh, a TV show about the '80s Lakers, and I just love knowing that. Okay, Thursday's here. That means today's Halo day, or Sunday's here. That means it's uh, winning time day. And just yeah, we, that we anticipation. To look to. That anticipation of something to look forward to, I think, adds a lot to the enjoyability for me. Again, that's me. Not heard for that a lot. No, yeah, I heard that a lot, a lot. Then it, and 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 I I love going to see what other people's opinions are, and not necessarily like adopting their opinions, but seeing like if people are able to to put into words what I'm thinking and saying, okay, that guy knows what I'm thinking, or disagreeing with people, uh, and saying, no, I see that a little different, uh, or maybe somebody caught something I didn't. Or maybe somebody's more knowledgeable about, for example, Halo and knows a character on there that I don't know. 
or know some more backstory or something, you know, just different for different reasons. Uh, I think something that I'm not familiar with, I think I prefer to binge because a lot of times it takes me two or three episodes to get into a show. I think because for me, as I mentioned before, it's all about character. And it's a lot easier to get invested in a character over the course of three episodes rather than one by one by one by one. Yeah, by one. yeah. Uh, you can get there, and there's shows that are remarkable at pulling you in, like with their with their uh, pilot. But when it's something that I'm not sure if that's gonna grip me right away, I do wait. Like for example, uh, Moon Knight is one that's going on right now that actually just finished. I think this past week. So I was waiting for that one to end because watching watching the trailer didn't grip me right away. So I said, you know what? I'm either going to wait till that ends or I'm going to wait for a couple more episodes to be out. Then I'll watch it. That way I get in, I get all investment all at once. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's interesting because there there must be people out there that like it one way or the other. And I guess like me, some people that like it a little bit of both. Yeah, and and, and ultimately, if that's the case, it might help out to kind of switch your watching habits just to kind of eliminate, ultimately, right, the the, the burnout of however you're experiencing it. Um, you know, because I know people do get a little... Yeah, I think, I think something else that I go through too that sometimes is just... Uh, I don't know, like, I, I, I really can't explain it. I do get like a burnout of watching stuff in general. Where Yeah, yeah. And I mentioned it to you. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but sometimes I go through that, like you mentioned earlier, where uh, I, I feel like I'm not ready to be completely receptive to something or like I feel like I'm not going to appreciate it because when I watch stuff, I like to try and catch everything the first time and be like super analytical in my opinions, in my, what I think, sometimes to the point of, like, I overthink things, even. Uh, but I feel like I'm not always ready to be like that. So when I feel like I'm not ready to pay 100% attention, I'm like, okay, like, I don't really want to watch anything too, that, that like, I'm going to have to, like, invest in. Uh, and what happens usually to me during those times is I'll go back and watch something that I've watched before. Uh, I'll rewatch a series or something. And sometimes, and oftentimes because since I've seen it and I kind of have processed it and broken it down before, I don't mind watching it or even just leaving it playing or just having it in the background. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just watch something. Uh, the, one of the latest ones that I've been doing that with was uh, a show. I'm not sure what's, what, network it started on but i know it's since transitioned to netflix it's called designated survivor i don't know if you've heard of that uh so the concept is uh this guy who is the the hud secretary for the government the housing and urban development secretary for the government is named the designated survivor which means that he is away from all the 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 entirety of the government in case of a huge emergency so what happens the white house gets blown up everybody dies he's now the president 
and it goes through like this whole thing of him becoming president, earning it. He doesn't deserve it. He does deserve it. I just love it. It's a great show for anyone that's into like politics and the White House and anything like that, that that scenario that sounds appealing at all. But uh, that's the latest one that I've done that with. Uh, That's one of my things I do to combat combat burnout. Like I just recognize like I'm a little tired of all this right now and learning all these new stories and processing these new characters. I give myself a break. No, no, definitely. Uh, same thing with games too. Uh and I think with gaming it can even take on a a, a different dynamic because there are those games out there that are very grindy games. Yeah. Uh whether like you're you're trying to make a certain build and something like WoW or League. Well, I don't think League is built. Uh I think League would be like whether you're trying to get to a certain skill level or whatever. Uh whether you're grinding for SR drops builds uh you would think something like that is the perfect thing where you would think uh burnout would happen so i experienced that a little bit uh i think in destiny uh because like i said i used to be a destiny player uh i would log in every day probably have like an ungod i have an ungodly amount of hours logged in destiny one uh and i was able to recognize you know like this is becoming like you said a chore so I need to take I'm off and I still very much enjoy destiny, but my relationship with that game has changed in that play it when uh, typically like when new DLCs or when events come around. And once I'm done with that, I'm done. I, I go, I play other games and the next big thing comes out and I'll come back to it because I know that if I keep playing it, it's, I'm going to go into that chore mode, like you said, and that, that, that's it, it's not going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's when it becomes hectic. I know, I know like longer games or JRPGs and any game over 50 hours, you know, the commitment and that applies to anime too, which is actually one of the other ones, the commitment into getting to a game, the commitment in getting to an anime, you know, how long do you want to be committed to something, you know? So you look at the hours, you look how much time it is, you know, you look at how many seasons, how many episodes, and that could be daunting. And if you kind of get into a situation like that where you say you're going to get into it anyways, you're going to probably burn out real quick because you weren't prepared for that commitment in the first place. Mentally preparing yourself. And I know when it comes to gaming, one of the things that I like to do um, is find a game that's not very long, eight hours, 10 hour games. There's a lot of great eight, 10 hour games out there that you can really you can really work, uh, work with, especially on Game Pass. You know, even even adventure games like Uncharted, you know, or God of War or um, or um, there's another one that I like, uh, Ratchet and Clank. You know, those those aren't very long games. Those aren't long commitments. They're popular. They're AAA titles, most of them. But you can play those, get that satisfaction quickly, and then move on. Spider-Man was another one of those examples. So, you know, kind of getting into those smaller commitment roles might actually help combat that gaming burnout. Uh, like Rico just said, right? Kind of getting something away that's just something that's not so grindy, something that's not just going to consume your time. Because, you know, you don't it's okay to give yourself a break. You know, that's another thing. It's okay to give yourself a break from these mediums to kind of go back into it with fresh. That way you don't, you know, feel like it's a chore, you, you know, or you don't just play it, you know, just for the sake of, of doing whatever needs to be done weekly and then moving on, you know, because that, that kind of gets redundant, right? That kind of get that kind yeah. of takes a joy out of, out of taking, you know, away from that whole game experience when it comes to burnout. Same thing with anime, right? Usually when it comes to 12 episode seasons, 24 episode seasons, 
you know, those are easily easier to tackle than the 50 episodes, 100 plus episode things that are out there. Um, even sometimes. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Finish. No, no, go ahead. You're good. I was going to say, I think I, now that I think about it too, in, uh, regards to gaming, the style of, of, uh, completionist that you and I both are, like when it comes to like these big open world games, like for example, just finished Elden Ring not too long that uh the way that we played it where we were trying to do everything like in our first playthrough get everything done get every item beat every boss that at a certain point like you kind of hit a wall like oh like uh and I recognized that too within my first playthrough of Elden Ring and I said dude just finish the game then you can go back and do whatever you want. And even even in something that wasn't an open world, and or I guess it was open world too, but uh, we also played uh, a little before that, we went through uh, Legends Arceus. And of course, the same thing. We were going through every area, trying to catch every Pokemon, getting all our research levels to level 10. And to a certain extent, we were doing the same thing with ourselves in, uh, in uh, Pokemon Snap. Yeah. You want to get a picture of all the Pokemon before exactly. you get to the next level. So I guess yeah. I guess some of it you kind of just have to recognize. Like I'm doing this a little bit to myself. It's a chore. It becomes a chore, you know. And that's why you tell yourself, no, you know, like like I'm gonna enjoy it. And it happened. In, and I caught on an Elden Ring quick, fast. I, you know, and I'm notorious for taking a long time in the editor screen. You know, I'm notorious just kind of <laughs> going through it. You know, just creating that character. You know, it, it took it took me about three hours to get a character. When I finally did, I was like, dang, you know, it was so big, so massive. It felt overwhelming. But I right from the get go, and I kept telling Rico, I'm just gonna play, Rico. I'm just gonna play. I'm just gonna play. I'm not gonna worry about anything. Whatever I see, but I'm just gonna play. And I kept, I, but I had to like recite that self, you know, because I knew that if I was just trying to freak out and figure everything out and kind of get through everything i was not going to enjoy the game you know and ultimately i was going to probably give up on the game experience that burnout quicker and kind of get away from it so just like rico said just kind of understanding and kind of you know taking a step back and and really uh focusing on what it is you're trying to do in that game right ultimately it's that's, that's to have fun um just so, be mindful am yeah. i having fun right now or am yes. i doing this because i want to have everything which sometimes yeah. is what's fun like I say, like sometimes that's that's I think both of us go into a lot of games like that. But then, yeah. you know, just be mindful of why it is what you're doing. You're doing usually these things to escape and have that fun. And not yeah. feel like you're doing a chore. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, so, some of the things just to kind of wrap up this part, and I, I didn't want to address it, you know, as far as gaming or any media concern. A couple of other things that we talked about, you know, short firms, short forms. Um, the commitment we talk about, you know, taking a break, um, not not doing so much, not not tackling so much at a time. Um, but one of the last things, two of the last things that I kind of want to get through is it's OK to when it comes to especially those longer forms, I'm not saying to cut out longer forms completely. And I know I've actually told Rico this before. I may be watching all these short anime but I do always have a long anime in my back pocket. And the reason being is because that also applies to giving different genres a chance. Um, sometimes at night, it's usually at night, 
I don't like to watch everything. So I don't want, I don't like to watch anything so serious unless I'm, I'm already into it. Then I'll give those serious watches. Right. But dark and serious, you know, I'm not trying to watch something like that right before I go to bed. So I'm always looking for something that's lighthearted, funny, quirky. That's something that's just going to, you know, you know, fit my mood. But ultimately you have to be looking to watch something that's going to fit your mood at the time. Right. Don't force yourself to watch something or play something that you're just not in the mood for be, especially, you know, like in our case, being completionist, but ultimately, like in my example, if I start something, I have to finish it. Like I have to finish it and regardless of whether, you know, and that's one of the things where I had to kind of stay, take a step back and be like, okay, you know what? I can't like, like I can't do it at this point, at this time, at this point in time, I, I got to, you know, chill out and hang on. Um, but the last thing I wanted to get to, to kind of touch base on um, as far as burnout is, and, and, and again, this kind of totally contradicts to what I just said right now, right? Having, <laughs> I'm one of those guys who has to finish something when I start it. But it's it's okay to kind of give up or you know just stop if something doesn't interest you. Don't feel obligated to watch something because you started it. And I've actually done that a handful of times. Um, and I always tell my rationale is, oh, I'll watch later. I'll watch later. But ultimately. You kind of feel bad, but there's nothing wrong with stopping a game that you don't like or, you know, stopping a game that you you gave a, a fair chance. And there's it's several that I, you know, one of the examples I can think of as game, there's a game called Anguish that came out for the PlayStation 3. It came out again recently, coupled with Bayonetta. And I played Vanquish. It was supposed to be this awesome game. I, put, I gave it a good 15, 20 hour chance and I just couldn't get into it. You know, and I kept saying, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. But I kind of felt bad when I told myself, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to put this game away. Yeah, like I'm done with it. I felt better and I was able to move on a little bit more comfortably. Right. And kind of get away from not feeling, you know, not feeling bad coupled with those moods. You know, that's going to um, attribute to like game burnout. Uh, same thing with anime. Same thing with um, with shows in general. Uh, I don't think there's an anime that I started. I mean, let me rephrase that. There's a lot of anime that I need to finish because I've started so many. I'm going to go back and watch them. I promise. I haven't given, given up on them just yet. But um, don't be, you know, don't be scared to give something a chance. And if it's not up your alley or if it's not worth it, don't be scared to kind of, you know, take a step back and say it's not for you. Um, you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm with that 100% because I think we've all been there where you start a game and it ends up not being quite what you thought, or you start a show that's supposed to, that everybody's talking about, and it turns out that it's just not hitting with you. You know, there. I don't think there's a problem with putting that on a, on the back burner, and uh, maybe it maybe it'll be better for you uh to wait, let it breathe, maybe consume in the in the. In the case of shows, maybe consume it once the whole series is out, or maybe once the season is done, uh, or maybe like you say, just you know, admit that this is just not for you, put it away somewhere. Maybe at some point you'll be ready to try again, or maybe never. Uh, it's okay. Wrong with that? There, there's okay. there's so there's so much out there that. You don't need to be forcing yourself or feel like you're forcing yourself to enjoy something that just doesn't do it for you. There's too yeah. much out there to not be enjoying what it is that you have in front of you. Yeah. And if you are experiencing any sort of burnout to whatever, give yourself a break and, and don't be scared. It can take it can take months. It can take a, a year, two years, you know, but ultimately, hopefully you find something that kind of bring you back, you know, into something that you've enjoyed. 
Um, but yeah, I kind of want to get that out there. I kind of that kind of wraps up the the burnout uh, anime gaming topic that I wanted to kind of uh, throw out there. Um, but I'm gonna hand it over to Rico. Uh, well, and then one more from- thing, you you know something that I that actually I've been going through burnout with, and I'm not sure. I'm I'm not sure if I'll come back or not. Fantasy basketball. Mm-hmm. I was so 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 into it that I would watch so many games, read up us, read up on so many stats, and all that, and I was just like, "Why do I like? I'm so in." It, it's crazy how you get burnt out with the stuff that you usually love the most because you're so so into. Them. Uh. Yeah, that's another thing. I, I know we talked a lot about shows, animes, and games, but anything. It can be anything. Yeah. And if you're just not, like you said, give yourself some time to breathe and reflect. Try something new. Pick up a new hobby. Go outside. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gross. Um, <laughs> but again, yeah, it could take a while. It could take a while. So don't be, don't be scared of the time frame. You know, come back, come back to it on your own time whenever you feel like you're ready. But yeah, I'm gonna hand it off to you from here. Um, I, that kind of wraps up the the burnout anime part that I wanted to talk about. So it's all yours. Okay, so uh, we us- I usually save uh, our little hero of the week thing till the very end, but uh, I'm gonna do it here because going forward we're gonna talk about specifically Odd Taxi and Doctor Strange. Uh, and we're going to go full spoilers. So after this, you know, if you don't, if you haven't seen these shows, if you haven't, if you don't want to hear about this movie, then that's it. Uh, fair warning. Uh, but our hero of the week this week is going to be JJ Redick. Uh, former basketball, former NBA basketball player. He's now uh, been working across. I've seen him a lot on ESPN, different shows. I've seen him. On, I think he has a podcast as well. Uh, he was a big time player in college. He went to the University of Duke. Uh, then I remember him playing for the Clippers. Uh, he was who else was he with? Marcus Philly at one point, right? Yes, Philly, the Clippers, Philly. The Pelicans. and then I think he finished up with the Pelicans. There was probably some other teams he played with. I think he was with. He was actually with the Dallas Mavericks for a bit, but he really didn't play. Uh, but yeah, he was always known as a as a solid consistent player and uh he's been making a lot of uh been making a lot of news here lately uh started off with his podcast a lot of people like that he's well spoken very knowledgeable and uh it just so happened that 2 days ago he was on one of the big uh sports programs on ESPN called First Take now it is pretty much uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's a kind of like a roundtable discussion type show where they kind of try to have people with different opinions, different backgrounds, talk about different things in sports, whether it was big plays, who won, who lost, who should be held accountable. Uh, and this is across all different sports. Now, one of the big polarizing figures in the NBA in the last couple of years has been Draymond Green. Uh, his latest, uh, he's very animated, very raw very real uh and he plays like that too he's one of these guys that you know you rather have him on your team than against you because he's going to be very physical he's going to talk trash he's going to get in your face uh and his latest controversy was he 
committed a foul, which was later, I think, uh, upgraded to what? A flagrant one, Marcus? Or was it a flagrant two? Uh, flagrant one, he would have been suspended. Was, yeah, that's true. It was a flagrant one. So he got a... In that case, he he just gets the uh, a warning and there was some maybe dangerous contact. Uh, I think what it ended up was, I think they said that he wound up when he hit, hit somebody. It seems like that's the precedent now set for what uh, a flagrant one is. And when they were reviewing the play, he was getting animated with the crowd. And I think they said he even flicked somebody off. You flicked off some, some of the fans. Some of the fans. Uh, and one of the guys on first take, who I had never seen, I think you mentioned the same, by the name of Chris Russo, had this, uh, came on with this like attitude of, I'm sick and tired of, of Draymond and players like this. Nobody cares about this. He should just shut up, be quiet, and play. And he tried to make it this. He tried I to. Mean, yeah, well, yeah, go ahead. I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, the words aren't coming to me. He tried to make it this. That it's almost as if he tried to make it a thing that he was, um, if, if he had a valid excuse to be like this, being a fan for so many years, that he was, um, he's been a fan since the 50s, 60s, that he was entitled to have this type of opinion just because he was, he's been watching sports for so long. I've been watching sports for 50, 60 years. I have, the, I'm entitled to his opinion about, you know, saying something like this about he should have been played because that's the way people used to do it back in, you know, back when I was watching and stuff like that. You never saw stuff like this being done when I was in, back in the day when I was watching basketball or football. So it's almost a sort of entitlement the way he expressed himself. Um, I'm not sure if that's the word you're trying to find. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think to even a little bit further extent, like he, the people he would mention were like very famous, specifically like black players, like as almost as if to say, like, I watched all these, these super amazing uh, black or African-American, however you want to say it, players in the past. And they all were great. And I loved watching them play. But this new guy that has a big mouth and is very animated and all this, like, I ain't with that. And not only not only am I not with that, but all these fans that are used to watching the NBA from 50 years ago ain't with that either. And JJ Redick, a guy that owes nothing to Draymond Green, just said, whoa, 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 man. Like, that is like a dog shit take. Like, there's a reason that this guy is popular. And if you don't like it, like, then that's that's your that's your opinion and that's your right. But like you have no right to tell this guy that he should shut up and stop doing what he's doing, especially a guy I think you mentioned that is more popular than what this guy just giving his opinion that we've never heard of is, you know, he mentions the fact that Draymond has his own podcast as well. That's very successful. I think any time that uh, that we have people out on Inside the NBA, which is another like little one of those roundtable shows with opinions and stuff. I think a lot of people, especially people that know the sport of basketball, love to hear Draymond's insights. Uh, and he says, like, that's who he is as a as a human. He's very raw and real and opinionated and strongly opinionated. And that's how he is on the floor. And the guy has had a very successful career, too. So 
I don't know. Uh, just that he was able to stand up to this guy, like, and owing nothing to this other guy uh, was just awesome to hear. And watching this guy kind of get put in his place. Yeah, it was good. He, he shut his mouth up real quick. <laughs> but, but again, JJ Reddick's very, very intelligent, speaks with, speak with, you know, with an eloquence and very charming, very charismatic, and he's very proper. He, he, very good vocabulary and knows how to speak very well. So, um, and this is yeah. coming from an English teacher, folks. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. Um, but again, being a basketball fan, you know, uh, he, he really, he, he, Really stuck up from saying he didn't have to. And again, it's not to say, not to take anything from Jamal Green, but Jamal Green does have a successful podcast. Um, people listen to him because, you know, people want to see what he has to say. If people did not, not, not want to, what, to know what he had to say, they wouldn't be listening. So that was awesome. That was awesome to see. And, and Rico posted both clips there on our uh, Discord. So. so, yeah, shout out to JJ Reddick, our hero of the week, standing up for other people. Uh, so from here on out, we're going to go full spoilers first with Odd Taxi, then Dr. Strange. So if you're not with, you haven't seen him, you're not with the whole spoiler thing. Uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Sir. Thank you. Moving All on. Right. So here we go. Odd Taxi. Amazing. I know it's yes. been a while since you've seen it, but I finished it this past week. <laughs> what it was it was weird because like we i i i wanted to wait until the podcast so like i told you i finished it or whatever but I, I couldn't help it i had to and i feel like it's hard to communicate all your feelings and everything through text which is we were texting i was texting at work we were texting yeah <laughs> i was texting at work and i was really into a conversation to the point where i was like okay hold on hold on and i, I would take a while so and, re, and you know because i was trying to multitask and i got to a point where i was able to take a break because uh, I got into uh, one of my break periods, so I was able to text Rico back with, you know, full, uh, my my 100% of my attention. <laughs> so, amazing show, amazing setting, amazing twists, more than one. Uh, but, yeah, like, what a character. And it was right in my alley because, like, the characters, to me, were everything. So much so that it, it makes the point of the show in that it makes you forget about the murder mystery. And you don't, at that point, like you don't even care because you're so invested rather in the character and his story that to hell with the, with the point of the show. Right. I don't know. And, and I think, and I told Rico, I think that was one of the points that they were, that they were going with because ultimately from the beginning, yes, they present you with the murder right from the get go right from the first 30 seconds hey something's happening but it it shifts perspectives to our boy otakawa right and it's kind of getting to him and they and every so often they will mention that they'll mention that the the uh the murder mystery but if that was the major major plot point they would have expressed it a lot more than what they let on it was in little tidbits and then it got to the point after like episode five and six that you know i you just stopped caring because whether it was no longer mentioned or whether because, you know, the characters are just that much more interesting, right? It, it, it took a backseat completely. And I honestly think that was done intentionally. I, I really do. Because they started putting emphasis on Otakawa and on, um, what's his name? The, the, the gangster chimpanzee, the, the, 
Nobu? The gangster monkey. Nobu, yeah. It started putting emphasis on him and their ways of kind of, you know, making this money. And so it changed from a murder mystery to a heist. And you're kind of like, oh, okay, the heist was a lot more interesting because all your favorite characters are part of this heist in some shape, way, or form. So I honestly do think that was intentional. The the whole forgetting the forgetting about the mystery because I and Rico says I I didn't give it Rico says I could have figured it out or I think I could have but I stopped I caring, stopped caring. I, I, yeah like you know and I was like I think that was the point right just just stop caring so when you finally realize it and you finally realize towards the end and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit that the killer is um the the backup the the replacement in um the the girl band you realize like really like of all people and you kind of don't think much of it, like, oh, okay, and she kind of does this thing. But it's the ending where it's like, you know, after not giving a damn about this person for so long, and you finally figure it out, and you're like, oh, you know, her motivation, she gets into the taxi with Otakawa, and you're just like, whoa, wait a second. In in a moment, in, you know, a span of one and a half minutes, you get the, hey, I didn't give a shit about this murder mystery to oh my god is she gonna kill our boy after everything that he just endured or like and then it's left open-ended so that i thought that was super uh, creative approach (laughs) personally it it, it, it was just masterful because it like you say it presents you with that like this is a murder story we're looking for this murder person and then it shifts that into the background and makes you care about different characters right but Specifically, our main character, Otakawa. And it kind of, it, it, it peaks before they have that big reveal of the murder at the end. Mm-hmm. And like you say, you end up not caring about the murder because you care so much just about our main character. Until they confront you with like, hey, you know all that happy shit we just gave you and all that real self-fulfilling stuff about you know, our character and we told you about his background and now there's the reveal of uh, all the people that, all the characters and what they really look like, not in animal form. Well, now that your guy is happy, possibly has a love interest, is back to being human and seeing things as they really are and turns out he really is a good guy. Remember that murderer? Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe she's, maybe she's about to kill your guy. And then boom, fade <laughs> that to black. Did. Remember she that shit you didn't care about? Well, you should. <laughs> and she says, "Oh, remember me?" I was like, "What?" I remember. I said, "I said, is this bitch for real?" Excuse me. I said, is this bitch for real? Like she's just over here, just getting into our tent. Do you remember me? I said, "Nah, dude." And then it ends. I was, I, I remember just jaw dropped, and I said, "Wow!" Like that was. That was intense. And and there was a while back where I talked about, you know, the endings on a lot of these, you know, Game of Thrones and Attack on Titan and stuff like that, right? But, oh, man, the the way it just nailed the ending, man, like, dang. And so, and that brings me to, you know, this idea that this movie is supposed to kind of cover some things, right? Because there is going to be a movie on it and it hasn't released yet. But, um, uh, and I know a while back we talked about, and I kind of get it again, the, um, the illness, right? Otakawa's illness and, you know, what it, or what it really kind of, you know, symbolized, right? There was a lot of symbolism in, in the show. Um, and one of the things I like to talk about was, or we, we even talked about it through text, was the significance. And people called it, 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 okay, the cat behind the door, right? The cat in his house that he was talking to a couple of times and stuff like that. And 
it was a cat that even appeared in the uh, intro. You know, it, it was a cat that there was a lot of hints kind of, you know, coming out. Now, I want to hear Rico's perspective on that cat because I know that was a big focal point for us. Yeah, so again, uh, me trying to catch on to everything, especially there at the beginning of the show, uh, you're introduced to this idea that uh, that there or this concept that there is a murderer out on the loose. Uh, for whatever reason, some people are very uh, suspicious of Otakawa. And later it's revealed uh, to be a cat, but along the along the show, they show you that there's something in his closet that talks to him. And he repeatedly tells it, sorry, you can't come out. Sorry, you can't come out. I can't let you out. So I think they try to make you believe, like, holy shit, is this guy, they try to play you. Like, is this guy really the killer? Like, should I like this guy? Should I not like this guy? Should I feel bad for liking this guy? Uh, and along with that mystery, uh, it's, un- it's unraveled that he does suffer from mental illness and maybe more specifically a sort of mental block, one that he kind of sets for himself in that he was bullied, picked on as a kid, uh, didn't have the best home. Uh, was abused. Was abused. Uh, I think through neglect from his father, and even I think physically abused a little bit by his mother. Uh, and I think she would tell him that she was f- that he was fat and that he looked like a walrus. Uh, and then something he was always into as a kid was where he found an escape was the zoo and animals. Uh, so. Fast forward a little bit, going through all that trauma, he ends up in an accident where he loses both his parents. Uh, And in order to cope as a coping mechanism, since he has such a hard time being social with other people, he starts to develop this uh, coping mechanism, I guess, where he sees people as, as animals. Because it's easier for him to see people as animals instead of people. The, mo- the, the, the monsters or hurtful things that he's come to associate like with humans to this point in his life. Because he's only been bullied and hurt, beat up. And this is even by the people that are supposed to love him and his family. Uh... And he ends up taking on that. Uh, he ends up taking on that this identity that he is that walrus that his mom made fun of him for looking like. Uh, so yeah. So when that uh, when they unwrap when they unwrap that in the show, uh, and I I know they hinted to it, I guess, uh, in certain parts too, with uh, behaviors and stuff like that. I automatically thought, well, if you see people as animals, then how do you see animals? If you create this illusion in your head, like, does that affect everything else too? And something that really hit me and struck me when they have the whole reveal of he's actually a person and so is everybody else, see what they look like. It makes you a little giddy, like, to see... To, because you're able to immediately recognize 
who these characters are because of certain similarities you see behind their animal form and their human form. Uh, then he goes home, and this was the big reveal I was waiting for. What the fuck is in the closet? Um, 